Let me know when you want to start. Anytime. All right. You want to go because I got a, a quite a bit of silence while you were cool. chomping on a burger. Well, check this shit out. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Sneaky Dragon. I'm Ian Boothby. <laughs> I'm David Dedrick. Hey, what was that too real for you, man? <laughs> Couldn't handle it? I couldn't handle couldn't it. Couldn't handle the, uh, the the truth there that I'm uh, spitting? That's the problem. That's, that's a problem. That spitting, it's all over the microphone. Yeah, it is a little bit. Sorry about that. I just had a, <laughs> just had a cheeseburger. Apologies. Um, Still post-drooling. My sister-in-law and friend of the show, uh, Vicky, just, uh, just uh, had a tattoo, and so she needs some protein after a tattoo. So we ordered uh, burgers, and so I just had a little bit of burger. So yes, indeed, uh, I am full of onions. I apologize, Dave. <laughs> okay, that's all right. Everyone here is eating burgers except Dave. So uh, as I've said uh, to him, uh, we are Sweden. And you are <laughs> a little child that's in the other room that is not eating the meat. Isn't it funny how these things just take off? Like, people must have known this. Like, this must have been general information that people could know about Sweden if they had only thought to but ask. But they won't feed a child. But now, it, now it is just, like, the biggest thing that's ever been said about a country. I know. Apparently. I keep trying to think of, like, what the positive aspect of that would be. Like, what's the positive spin? Is like, uh, you know, because it's, it's, it's often those things aren't what you think that they are. It's like, mm-hmm. they're not being tight-fisted and won't share their food with a child. Yeah. It's like, there's something culturally that says, don't feed other people's children. <laughs> which, you know, if I'm thinking about it, the first thing that comes to mind is, uh, I went to their house and they gave me food, which makes it seem like we're poor. It's just like I went to their house and he and the dad gave me five bucks <laughs> and said, buy some good clothes. Yeah. You know, that's what it feels like. I could I could see that culturally that would be the problem. Yeah. I mean, in modern times, I would say, don't feed the child. He's got allergies. You know, you never know what the what the child, you know, what's what what can't you eat it there at the at home yeah and uh, now you're feeding them oh you fed my child what pork and now it's like <laughs> oh the scandal or peanuts or something and now you know the child's swollen up like a balloon yeah yeah sure yeah that's my response but, but in all uh, but in all this scandal swedish scandal yes uh no one's brought that up or no one swedish has gone here's the reason <laughs> for it <laughs> it's well maybe I don't know what it is. That's okay. I'm just you don't thinking, have to. I'm sorry for well, putting you on the spot. No, no, it's okay. Because I'm just thinking about their response to coronavirus, which I think was very much at odds with how other people approached it. Maybe in Europe it was more common, this sort of idea of... They said, Let's we're going to catch it, but the kid has to stay in the other room while we have it. That's right. Yeah. We can't, he can, we can't share coronavirus. No, it just seemed to be like, let's just let it go run its course, and whatever the fallout is, that's how it's going to be. Okay. That seemed to be Sweden's uh, approach to coronavirus, which was different than ours, which was, you know, let's try and protect as many people as we can by us, you know, not intermingling and we'll leave the roads free for David to drive up and down on quite and enjoy himself for a couple of months. I think like in Canada, we had enough recent memories of SARS that we were just like, oh, yeah, it's but like SARS this. didn't really affect us. I mean, it was... It was pretty devastating, like when it was happening, like for Toronto, it like... Well, crippled the city like ontario in general was having such problems it wasn't until like conan o'brien like showed up with his show that it was like oh it's safe to go back to you know this part of the world especially even canada got i don't got, remember it being that big a deal about it i guess oh maybe. we were like this toxic you know 
even even like Vancouver, people were like, well, it's Canada. It's part of Canada. Don't know if we should go. Definitely, like the film industry was dead. Like anything that was like, hmm. you know, let's let's shoot there, let's do things there. That that was dead. It was it was pretty rough. If you lived in Toronto around that time, let us know if you remember what it was like. Yeah, I remember like uh, when uh, Scott Pilgrim, the film came out and he had a shirt that just said SARS on it. There was like gasps in the audience from some people. <laughs> but yeah, it's but the, it was a big deal when Conan O'Brien went I do remember there. it. I do remember it happening. I just, it seems to me that I think it was seven people died. It was quite quickly uh, quarantined and, and, yep. and it was handled quickly, well. Ha- yeah. Quite quickly handled. But it's, it was just the, the idea of this is a diseased part of the world. Don't mm. go there. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. But sorry. So Sweden, Went, let's uh, just take it on the chin. Yeah, and I guess, and I guess they're just like their attitude is the same about this whole scandal. It's just kind of like, well, you know, this will, we'll just let this kind of rage through the world. Yeah, we're not going to like worry about it. Whatever happens, happens. I don't know what you could do if they decide to invade us. (laughs) You know, well, that's happening. You know, I mean, that's uh, that's all the rage now. uh, (laughs) Well, he's threatening to do so. It's all the rage. Yeah. No, I don't know what you would do to uh, stop the scandal. Uh, in fact, it's not a big scandal. In fact, who cares? It, it's one of these things that's like, oh, that's a little bit interesting. Mm. Uh, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, let's do that. Because every other news story is horrific <laughs> and uh, makes me sad and I want to cry into a pillow. Yeah. So, like, what do we got? Oh, you know, they wouldn't give this kid a meal and they went in the, in the other room. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. Tell me more about so that. So, is this an actual event that happened? Like, this actually happened to someone in Sweden? Or are we just, is this like... Someone's it's an interesting say, thing to have made up. Someone's saying this about Sweden. Because, yeah, I mean, I imagine that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, my mother-in-law is Finnish, and it's like, try to not get fed at her place. Mm-hmm. Try. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is a different idea of self. Though my grandparents, I'll tell you, uh, I, I remember once bringing two friends over to their place because mm-hmm. uh, we were just in the neighborhood and they gave them nothing. Like yeah. they gave them the good cold shoulder. And I was like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> yeah. No dice. Yeah. And I think, you know, because they grew up in, you know, the depression slash, you know, whatever things in England with like no food and yeah, stuff. So no it's just rationing like, after the I'm not war feeding all, all the kids in yeah. the neighborhood. Yeah. You know, I'll feed, I'll feed my grandson, but mm-hmm. you guys, you know, hang out and then get out. <laughs> Yeah, my mom wasn't very generous. I, I don't remember like us having like people over, like kids coming around and, and getting fed or having chips or whatever. Like, I don't remember that as a thing. So, I, you know, maybe my family's partly Swedish. I don't know. Okay. Well, you've all you've also been a dad, so your uh, your your kids' friends come over. Yeah. Do you give them food or do you say get in the backyard? <laughs> no, they get whatever there was whatever there was going around. They got they got it as well. I mean, we off. The girls' friends often came over for dinner as well, so because they liked to come to our place because we sat at the table and talked. Okay, yeah, yeah. Which was very unusual for them, which was weird, odd to me because you know the usual thing of it's it's how I feel about milk now, which is this when people go like, "You drink milk at dinner?" I'm like, "Didn't everyone?" Because that's what we did. Like my family, we drank yeah. milk at dinner. So well, adults, other people adults I knew, didn't. No, kids would, but adults yeah, I guess yeah. that's true. My yeah, I don't remember. My mom might have. I don't remember my dad drinking tea. Uh, tea tea was the, but they always had tea after dinner. I can't stand the idea of like eating food and not having something to like wet my whistle between uh, gulps. And, and that keep... if we're at a if we're at a restaurant, I've never seen you drink milk at a restaurant. No, I don't like warm milk. And why would it be warm? Because they always it's made and then it's put somewhere and then it's brought to you. So 
in between oh, com- in between being too long. Yeah, I just I just don't like it at all. For me, it has to be like from the fridge into glass. Into if a milk. restaurant had ice cold milk, you'd be you'd be I'd down be down. That? I'd be down for that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Recommendation to restaurants. Yeah, if it came if it came to the table very cold, like in a chill glass or something like that, I would be I would be okay with that. But it just seems like the whole process is uh, designed to like make your food lukewarm, <laughs> whether it starts off cold or it starts off hot. It gets to your table, it's warm. Okay, and then forget it. <laughs> then it's garbage in your mouth. <laughs> well, milk is. I just you know yeah. it's just not appealing. I'm not a I'm not a person who likes warm drinks anyway. But yeah, just just have even like room temperatures. It's too much for me. So um, it's just interesting. I'm actually trying to look up a menu from a restaurant right now, and uh, and my my dumb old computer is like, no, it's too new. I can't. No, 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 no. Okay. Right. I would be with. I'd be okay with chocolate milk at a restaurant. Okay. And I have done that, but yeah, I mean, restaurant because I have milk at home all the time. When I go to a restaurant, it's sort of a treat to have a pop or something, you know, like that's sure. that's treating myself. But you don't. You wouldn't have a pop with dinner at home. I don't have. I don't even have cola or like any kind of pop in the house. Oh, okay. Is that because you think you'd uh, drink it too much? Yeah, I would drink it too much. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> would, no, you know your weakness. So that's I would fine. most certainly drink it. And it's not good. Although I do have some, a uh, couple of bottles of 7-Up in the fridge now that I've said that. But they're, they were, I bought them for making punch. And so they'll, they'll stay there until it's punch time again. Were you having a punch party? <laughs> I make punch for the choir uh, spaghetti uh, okay, dinner. That's what I thought, yeah. But yeah. what's weird this year was that people were not interested in the, in the punch. Why not? I don't know. Maybe there wasn't enough young people there. There was some sort of critical mass was not reached where punch was popular. The wine went, but the the punch didn't. Okay. So either people were drinking water. I think maybe it's just there's a kind of a turn a turn away from sweets in our culture right now. People are everyone's very health conscious and you know very conscious about being being skinny and being some sort of idea of being in shape or whatever. Yeah, so, punch do, punch doesn't have to be super sweet though, right? Um. Uh, I mine. I guess mine is. So maybe that was their objection. I should have. I should have made it out of water and ice. I was just looking for the punch breakdown of what uh, what always has to go into punch. Well, I could. I'll tell you what. I put in my punch. I would like to know your. It's a very good punch. But whenever I tell, it's the sort of thing that when you tell people that you colored very 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 fine punch. If you tell people that you colored your uh, the graphic novel you worked on on a computer, their face like goes immediately into like bored expression, (laughs) just like oh, you just had to push a button. Ugh. How boring. Okay. It's the same thing. Like, people will be like, oh, I love the punch you made. Like, what are the ingredients? And I'm like, oh, it's really simple. It's just uh, 7-Up, okay. orange punch, lemonade, and ice and with a little bit of water in it just to make this okay. to and, uh And when you tell them that, they get that look, exact same look in their face. It's like, oh, well, that's easy. It's no good. <laughs> it's like, but you thought no, it was good a minute ago. No, no. Now it's no good because it's too easy. Yeah, I've heard it's like, it's got to be something spiced. Something sparkling, something fruity. I'm not sure what. I'm not a spice fan. Mm. So yeah, they got here like a like an apple cider would be something you'd put in there. Blah. Yeah, or like a, and then like your fruity would be like a cranberry juice or a lemon juice and then some ginger ale and then you gotta have a lot of ice. You have to have a lot of ice. I think that's very important. I like to like put the ice in there, even though one of the one of the uh, church crab crabby ladies gave me some trouble for having too much ice in it. Like, don't take it. Yeah, don't take it. Don't take the ice. Work your way around. I'm Push not, the right. ice aside. I'm not, I'm not trying to make you take the ice. It's not water. It will be water one <laughs> yeah, day. Like, right. you're correct to complain soon. Yeah. But not now. But, but when you put ice in a drink, you want to have, once again, that critical mass, that point where the ice is cold enough that the ice doesn't melt and dilute it. Yeah. But not so much that you don't get any drink. But you want to have ice in there. 
Otherwise, if you put in like a tiny bit of ice, it just melts and then it dilutes the punch in an unpleasant way and it doesn't make it cold. Here's my problem is... Uh, Lady. You know, when I'm a kid, uh, Hawaiian punch is the punch. And Hawaiian punch ain't punch. There's nothing spicy in Hawaiian punch. I don't, but I don't like spice. I don't, I don't put spice no, in mine that's either. Fine. I, I think that's but, but, a, a weird But punch idea. traditionally has a spice to it. Mm. That's, you know, you've chosen to eliminate it, but... But it does. Mine is, a, mine is a modern punch, not an old-fashioned right. Avenue the Scrooge punch, like a mulled wine or something like that. Something Clarence the Angel is going to drink. <laughs> and then usually, you know, someone comes along and spikes the punch. Whoop, and now, oh, we got to cancel prom. <laughs> oh, there's a drunk goldfish in the, in the punch bowl. Yeah. Yeah, then it comes up, goes, now I've seen everything, and it shoots itself in the head. <laughs> and then the gun says, what a way to make a living. <laughs> Someone uh, pointed out that in a different cartoon, mm-hmm. there was another character, like a cat or something, that you know said that. Now I've seen everything, and then shoots itself in the head. <laughs> and I was like, that was. In an, I was trying to remember the cartoon it was in, and yeah. it was uh, Horton hatches the egg. What really? Yeah, not Horton hears a who. Don't confuse it with that. No, but it was Horton hatches the egg, which was a Merry Melodies. And yeah, after that's he does, right, that's right. Yeah, and so it's him on the sea. And you know, doing his business, you get. and then like uh, up, and then to to add an extra layer of what the fuckery, it's like it's a Peter Lorre fish. So like Peter, Lorre, well, now I've seen everything. Blam! And shoots himself in the head. First of all, it's a Dr. Seuss thing yeah. that has a fish committing suicide. Yeah. And it's Peter Lorre for some reason. Mm. Like Peter Lorre is famous for committing suicide. Like what? It's a weird. It's a. I mean, let's to be fair to Merry Melodies or whatnot. Like cartoons were not designed for children; they were made. They're meant as sort of cross generational. They they devolved. Horton to hatches the egg yeah. was made for children. That Doctor well, Seuss yeah, book guess, was a kids' yeah. book. Yeah, yeah. So an adaptation of that. Yeah. That ends with a fish suicide. And it probably had by a... gunfire to his own temple. <laughs> Didn't it have a little scene where, like the that you know that song that went. You know, so the sexy lady walking, you know. Yeah. I always have to roll out that one, uh, whatever that song is. That's suicide. Yeah, and now I'm just looking up. Now I've seen everything cartoon suicide. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I, ju- I just wanted to see how many times. Top- how do I explain this to a four-year-old? <laughs> yeah, but why is a... F- for me, I understand. Why is a... F- yeah, why, what's wrong with a four-year-old seeing it? Didn't you see it when you were four years old? They don't understand. Well, like- because they might put a gun to their head and like well, imitate only in the, the behavior. Only in the United States. Just don't have guns in your house. Yeah, that's a fair... That's that's fair. I mean, when you hear all those stories about gun deaths, what is your thought? Not, oh, well, those people were in, sure in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's, you know, there's something in that scenario that shouldn't be there. Right. You know, when that person answered the phone and shot themselves in the head, maybe they shouldn't have had a gun. I don't know. Is this a thought? I don't want to be too, I don't want to be too outrageous, but I know I'm Canadian right, right now. Yeah. Uh, hand, got, uh... handguns, handguns are being sold like, like selling like wildfire because the government's talking about bringing, about restricting their sale. Restricting the sale, not eliminating it. So sorry, uh, stupid Cupid uh, has that happen. Mm-hmm. A niche in time. Horton hatches the egg. Okay, but Hort- it looks like Horton hatches the egg was the first one. Wow, and that was a Bob Clampett cartoon. Oh, of course, Bob Clampett would do that. Okay, that makes sense yeah. now. And so people are just asking, like, uh, "Hey, where'd this come from?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. But that was a Peter Laurie fish. It's oh. weird, but you, but that's Bob. I mean. When you watch, like, the early Warner Brothers cartoons, they're very rough. Like, their humor is very rough. Like, have you ever seen the first Tweety? The first mm-hmm. Tweety? Like, that is not the Tweety that we knew like, no, growing up. No, he's disturbing up. in a different color. <laughs> he looks like a giant baby. He kind of looks like the alien baby from Alien 4. 
Sure. That's kind of what that Tweety looks like. And it's just, it's very gross. But, but, but that was the aesthetic of that time period of Warner Brothers. Yeah. And, you know? and, 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 uh, Sylvester was also a very odd looking fish. I remember, I remember another Bob Clampett that was, uh, this dog that was just this really disturbing dog. And, and there was one thing where like he was like rubbing himself on the carpet or something like this. And, and, and they turned <laughs> yeah. to the audience and said, I better knock this off. <laughs> I might get to like it. <laughs> like, Oof. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, they were they were having fun yeah. at, at Termite Terrace. They're having some fun there. Yeah, it's like uh, that Tex Avery cartoon where there's a wolf and he's at the table and the sexy lady's dancing. And then the bartender comes over and looks at the wolf and goes like, so you want to fuck her, huh? I'm like, what? <laughs> have sex with her? You really want to have sex with that lady, huh? No, what do you... Is this, what? Li- is this literal cartoons? Is this the one yeah, you were like? Yeah. <laughs> literal loonies. Like, excuse me, I'm trying to do, you know, <laughs> innuendo. Yeah, that's right. Oh, okay. In what endo? Because she is single and she really goes for wolves. Look, I don't need to know this. I've got to let my tongue now unfurl 12, 12 feet and uh, my eyeballs pop out like, like, a, couple right. of, like a couple of yeah. penises. No, stop saying it directly. <laughs> This is for children. This is for children? This is in no way for children. Well, they're going to run it at like 8 in the morning in the 80s. Isn't it they're weird? They're going to run it in the morning and they're going to have a, a commercial for Rice Krispies. It stopped in the 80s, but yeah. Okay. The 70s. And then parent groups got very upset about it all and yeah. things took a turn. But be very careful, says the waiter. Why? Because she's also got like a sister who looks just like her from the b- behind. And then you turn around, and she's got a real ugly face. And she's going to go, oh, man, and she'll chase you. And then the wolf goes, but, you know, she's very pretty, though, right? Because she's got a good body. Because, like, I can tell, like, it was just her face that's a problem, right? Yeah. Well, I'll turn out the lights. I'm fine. Like, what? None of this that's is working out now. very fair to the poor lady. <laughs> yeah, don't do that to the poor lady. Well, to be fair, the, the yeah. poor lady is a predator. Like her, she's just chasing after guys, you know, and like, you know, with the, man, and uh, slamming them around. She's got no boundaries. Yeah, it's kind of fun. It is fun. It's like uh, the character in On the Town, the, the, the lady taxi driver. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't want to say Brett. That's not right at all. Uh, but I, you know what I like about On the Town is uh, is uh, they do end up hooking up. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, she really, well, that this can never happen. Oh, they did. <laughs> oh, guess... they're both quite happy with this situation. Yeah, oh, this right. all worked out fine. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah. And then she later went on to be on... Oh, I'm trying to remember whether she was on All in the Family or... Yeah, she was on All in the Family. Oh, really? I think either All in the Family or Laverne and Shirley, one of the two. Okay. I think it might have been both. I think Laverne and Shirley, you're right. Because she was like the young, kind of youngest dressing lady on Laverne and Shirley, right? Let's see. Man, I forgot about that. Yeah, uh, well, let me I look. I forgot that she was on there. You, you, you've made me wonder. I, I like, really I like learned something on this episode. What's that? I said I really learned something on this episode. Yeah, no. Well, that's that's the whole point. We're usually, all trying to learn something. Usually, usually I walk away from an episode dumber than when I started, but this time... Smarter. So, so her character name was in that. Let's see. Uh, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't Brunhilda. That's not right. She wasn't Ann Miller. Nope. She wasn't Ozzy. Nope. She wasn't Ivy. Nope. What the heck was her name? Oh, uh, no. That's the cab owner. Uh, yeah, she was the cab owner. No, she wasn't because that's Murray Alper. Oh, okay. Oh, 
Hans Conrad was uh, was in this. He was huh. a head waiter. Oh, good for her. Uh, Alice, uh, was it Alice Him. Pierce? No, no, no. Though she is very funny. Uh, Betty Garrett. Betty Garrett, I think. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. This Great. all makes some sense. Yeah, yeah. She was in all. She was in both All in the Family. Oh, okay. That's right. <laughs> and she was also in Laverne and Shirley. She was uh, uh, Irene uh, Lorenzo in that, and Edna Babish in Laverne and Shirley. Oh wow. Yep. I don't remember. I didn't really see much of All in the Family. And then later was in Golden Girls. Oh, wow. You know her best from Becker. <laughs> I know her best from On the Town. You would, as you should. Yeah. And that's fine. It's her best role. And she lived into her 90s. Good for her. Good for her. And she worked for a long time. I, that's a really admirable thing. Yeah. Now, On the Town's a, on the town's a pretty damn good movie. Yes. When, when we were doing our, our Marx Brothers podcast, uh, I don't know if listeners out there have heard it. It's called uh, Woefully Marx. <laughs> and... Um, one thing that was interesting was doing the research for like the movies was to look at some, some of the actors because a lot of them were in a lot of movies, but they were uncredited. Like, oh, I guess, okay. I guess in those days, you know, they didn't have like the endless roll, roll call of, of, uh, names that they have now on films. Like, you know, no unions, I guess at that time, damn unions making us read so much. And then thanks, Karl Marx. <laughs> That's that was our other uh, podcast, other one, yeah. Full Marks, where we go over uh, all of Karl Marx's works. Yes, Das Kapital, uh, the what's the other one he did with Engels? This Capital, <laughs> the something of labor. Das Kapital, this Capital, all the Capitals, all the Capitals. So he got a little repetitive. Yeah, no, it was just sort of interesting, like how people's careers. Some, you know, obviously some actors like have these long fruitful careers and other ones just sort of peter out at some point and you just sort of wonder like maybe some of them got married and so they just sort of moved out of yeah. the business but or other ones, just luck you know be at the right place right, right time yeah you just, or, or just have ta- a good audition or had the talent to keep on changing with the times you always had the ability yeah. to what's popular right now this type of thing well yeah. there you go you know this makes sense yeah. you know you're rita moreno uh, then things work out great when we're doing West Side Story, <laughs> you know. But you're Rita Moreno. Things don't work out great when we're doing uh, Sound of Music, you know. Mm-hmm. You're gonna you're gonna get one part, and you're not gonna get the other part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Rita Moreno would be a good ex- example of an actress who's worked, you know, successfully from her teens on into her nineties, you know, and hasn't really stopped stopped working, and was recognized with, you know, and awarded for her work. So, or yeah. speaking of sound of music, Christopher Plummer. There's another example of someone who, yeah, not just not just screen but stage as well. Yeah, you know, someone who I think and Rita Moreno is the same. She did a lot of Broadway as well. Because isn't she uh, one of those people? What do they call them? An egot or whatever it's called. Okay, all right. Because that was a real uh, that was a real dangerous question. Rita Moreno is one of those people. You know what do you call them? Oh, uh, okay. This would be a mistake to. <laughs> To say the wrong thing now. Well, no, like they got she, she yeah, got you're right. e- Emmy, I don't Grammy, know. Oscar, Tony. Does she? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I'm just wondering if she was was one of those people who hmm, okay who did the uh, forfecta of all those. Yeah, things. that's interesting. Okay, I know uh, Whoopi Goldberg is mm. all right. Mm. Uh, yeah. Okay. Here we go. I, I got a I got a list right now. Yeah. Uh, it's a tough. It's a tough list. See. <laughs> it's pretty long. Yeah, let me see. You got, you got, you got sixteen. You got winners here. here what's what's? Oh yeah, there we are. Okay, so uh, yeah, so we got Richard Rogers. He's he's one of them. Okay. Okay. Uh, Helen Hayes. That's one of them. Rita Moreno is one of them. There we go. Okay, so let me get. All right, let's see if you can, if you can guess what she got him for. Oh. Uh, okay. 
Okay, no, no, you've seen this. She won the Emmy Award. Yeah. She's won two Emmy Awards. Sure. And you've seen both of these. So when is the electric and company? And we've talked about both of these performances on this show. Oh, really? Yes. So did she get it for yes. the electric company? No, no not like, she oh, okay. did not. So she got it for Rock and Files? Yes. Okay. And another performance that she that she did that we've talked about on this show. Was it Oz? No, it was The Muppet Show. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, that's a great... A great uh, appearance on that show. Yeah. One of the best ones. Yeah. You will not probably guess her Grammy Award winning uh, thing, though you have mentioned it already. I have mentioned it already. You've mentioned it already on the show. <laughs> well, what I, she won it for. That is my least favorite clue. Yep. To ask me to remember something that I said. Yep. So she won it for On Broadway. No. No, I'm sorry, not Tony. This is the Grammy. Grammys. So she won it for, uh, I said it already. Yeah. Uh, what, what was it? Electric Company. Oh, Electric Company. Oh, yeah, I was going to say that. Okay, best Recording shoot. for Children. Okay, yeah. All right. That's uh, what I thought Academy was. Award, you can guess what that one is. Academy Award was West Side Story. Yeah, that's right. And you're not going to She also, it. she should have won it for um, Carnal Knowledge. You're not going to get it for uh, for the Tony Award, which was uh, the play The Ritz. The Ritz. Okay. All right, let me see. Good for her. Okay. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of hers. Yep. Uh, we got to, oh, that one's, that one's too hard. Uh, but Audrey Hepburn is another one. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Can you guess the uh, uh, the Academy Award? Uh, what did she win the Academy Award for? Did she win it for Breakfast at Tiffany's? Nope. So it would have to be... Well, you might guess Sabrina, and that would be wrong. What else? What My else? Fair Lady, I guess. Uh, Roman Holiday. Oh, Roman Holiday. That's a good one. It's a good it movie. is. Very good movie. Okay. How about this one? This is interesting. Okay. Uh, this is someone uh, still alive. Okay. Good for them. Yeah. And you're like, are they? Yeah, they are. They're still alive. Uh, and uh, I'll also say a funny person. And okay. they're still alive. George Burns, obvious. That he's not still alive. Oh, how come no one told me? Um, Still alive. Funny person. Yep. And he's an EGOT. Yeah, he won in 2001 uh, the Tony Award. Okay. Uh, and when, uh, when, when did this person win the Oscar? He won the Oscar in 68. 1968. For uh, the same thing, pretty much. But they, it was adapted then later for, uh, for, for Broadway. But he won for a film version of it in 68. Oh, my gosh. I can't. That's uh, a bit of a span. So is this per- Okay. This is a que- uh, like a that's a good tw- clue. 20 questions kind of thing. Yeah, that's a damn good clue, Ian. Is it really? <laughs> yeah. That, that he won for... Yeah. Uh, that he won for best writing yeah. for this thing in '68. Okay, and then won uh, best musical in 2001 uh, on Broadway. Okay, for the same thing. Oh, really? Yes. So think of what was a, a popular film in the late '60s that then became a Broadway show. Mel Brooks is a yeah. Mel Brooks. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. And he won. Uh, I guess two thousand year old man. I guess was a uh, got maybe got the Grammy for best comedy album. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, best spoken comedy album. Uh, two thousand and two, he won a Grammy for best long form music video. Yeah. For producers of musical romp with Mel Brooks. And so he must have got the Oscar for uh, being a, as producer or something. Not necessarily, for, but he got something for writer, he made. Right. Uh, oh, writer, writer for, for, for the producers. For producers. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, he won a uh, screenplay written directly for the screen. Now, uh, try and guess yeah, the uh, Emmy. what he won an Emmy for. Yeah, that's a real tricky one. Too, too tricky. I'll give, you, I'll give you this. Like in 67, he won 
for a variety show with people that he famously worked with in the past. I see. So it was something to do with Sid Caesar. Yeah, the show, Sid, show Sid sort Caesar, of thing. Imogen Coca, Carl Reiner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a special. Uh, but mm. in the 90s, he uh, was a guest actor in a sitcom. Uh, so 97, 98, and 99. Yeah. He won three years in a row for his uh, guest actor appearances in this sitcom. What sitcom was he in? Was this a sitcom where he played an alien? Uh, no, I didn't um, know there was that. Are you thinking of I'm Jonathan think- Winters in Mork and Mindy? No, no. Uh, Melf. What's that? Melf. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Brother. <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, sitcom. Yeah. Sitcom about a married couple. So, is it that Mad About You one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. He was in Mad About You on a regular basis. I see. And kept winning. Uh, now, <laughs> this person is a fella. He's a fella. Started okay. uh, started in unscripted work. I see. I see. Mike Nichols. That's right. So let's go with that. Okay. Uh, what what would Mike Nichols have won well, the won Academy the, Award for? Well, The Graduate, I would think. He won the Best Director Award for The Graduate. That's right. Um, uh, pick, a, pick a Broadway show that he worked on. <laughs> he won a Tony Award in 64, 65, 68, 72, 77, 84, another in 84, uh, 2005, and 2012. Wow. I, I, don't, I don't really know what he... I mean... Okay, let's go with... Billy Bishop Goes to War. Billy Bishop Goes to War? Well, that's a Canadian one. <laughs> he, so no, he did, do, he did produce that on Broadway. He produced Billy Bishop Goes or, to or War? Or directed it, yeah, on Broadway, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a big surprise. Yeah, I was reading a, a thing with an uh, article by John Gray used to write in the Vancouver Sun in the weekend okay. uh, edition. He wrote a little column in there, and he was talking about what was interesting with working with Mike Nichols, he said, was that he had the lowest boredom threshold of anyone I ever met. Huh. So he just couldn't stand anything that was boring to him, and, and he would just get rid of it. You know, so he was constantly, like, excising you know, things that he just felt like were unnecessary, any sort of unnecessary uh, explanations, sure. anything like that. He just, just get jettisoned to it. all that. Get, get to it. Yeah, get to, the, get to the heart of this, you know. But I don't really know what he's uh, done in on Okay, Broadway. well, I'll give you one clue. Okay. Uh, for the uh, 2005 one. Okay. It's got a uh, verbal cameo by John Cleese. I see. So I guess, it, did he do Spamalot? Yeah. Wow. He was the, uh, he was the director of Spamalot. Yeah, he's a guy who also who is famous for having a lot of uh, is it pokers in the fire? Yeah. A lot of things in the fire, but then not really doing them. Yep. Like he'll be connected to projects. That sounds like a guy who doesn't uh, who doesn't like boredom. I mean, no, he's no longer with us, of course. But at that time, he was connected to a lot of projects. And Grammy Award, obviously, is for um, Nichols and May, I yes. would think. Yeah. And the Emmy. Yeah. Oh, the Emmy. Okay. Was that for another special? Uh, he's won. Uh, he won four Emmys. Wow. Yeah. But only one Oscar. Only one Oscar. That's right. Hmm. I, I it's a it's a tough one. Uh, Emma Thompson was the uh, lead in the uh, movie television movie that he won for. Okay, I don't I don't know. And I think she was in. Yes, she was in. Yeah, she was in actually both. She was in uh, uh, both of the things that he won for. Uh, so he won in two thousand one and he won two thousand four. Uh, two thousand one, she starred in it. Two thousand four, she made a guest appearance in it. I see. I believe. Huh. What was it? It was Wit. Oh, okay. Story of a woman who was dying, and uh, angels in America uh, oh. about uh, HIV. Yeah, let's yeah. see what we got. Uh, oh, that's all right. That's okay. Tony uh, Kushner, right? Wrote Angels in America. Uh, that that is could very well be all right. 
Here we go. I was just thinking because it connects to West Side Story because he did the adaptation of the screenplay. This fella, mm-hmm. he's a he's an older gentleman, known oh. best from Broadway. Okay. A movie just came out based on his work that everyone went, ooh. <laughs> but he is an egot uh, person. And everyone went, ugh, when they ugh. saw this. Universally, ugh. That was in the last two years. Very popular Broadway show. Became a movie. People went, ugh. <laughs> Though he won a Tony Award for it. Huh. Not that. This movie that everyone went, ugh. Not that one about that. Ugh. Not the one about the kid who's. Ugh. Attaches himself to the boy who committed suicide and all. No, 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 not Evan Hansen. Okay, this is one that people uh, saw the trailer and went, "Well, that is oh cats." Yeah, that's right. Oh, okay. So uh, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah, that's right. Okay, okay, that's right. T. S. Eliot. Yeah, T. S. Eliot. He's an egot. He came. He came back. He (laughs) rose from the grave and went to knock that off. Yeah, knock that shit off. All right, here we go. Yeah, lots of, uh, yeah, you got your Tim Rices. And, you know, it's all Broadway people. Sure, sure. So who gives a shit? <laughs> but, but here's what I wanted to ask you trivia-wise. Okay. AFI, American Film Institute. Okay. Ranked the greatest movie musicals of all time. I see. Number one, what was it? Singing in the Rain. Yeah, there we go. Done. That's how it should be, and that's how it is. All right, in that case, here's a, here's a question for you. All right. Biggest laugh. Mm-hmm. Movie history. Biggest laugh in movie history? Number one, biggest laugh in movie history. What is it? The biggest laugh in movie history. I'll tell you the year, 1959. 1959. I don't believe it. There's no funny movies in 1959. There was. This was a a good... uh, Okay, biggest laugh. And I'll tell you this, it was the last line in the movie. Oh, so it would have been Something Like It Hot. Yes. There you go. Nobody's perfect. Yes. Well done. (laughs) All right. Uh, The 100 Biggest Thrills. Okay. In, uh, in in movies, the big, uh, where the audience went, ah, yeah, all right, yeah. Uh, so, uh, what's the number one? Uh, I'll tell you the year. Okay, nineteen sixty. Nineteen sixty, and the audience went, Jesus. So I guess Psycho. Yeah, Psycho. Say, say, right. <laughs> That's correct. Huh. Okay. Uh, number. Okay, this is the greatest hero. Okay. In 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 movies. Okay. 1962. 1962. 1962 is the year, and they're not like a superhero. Yeah, yeah, no. They're not superhuman. Yeah. They're just the most noble person uh, you've seen in a movie. You love this person. 1962, who is the greatest hero? The Manchurian Candidate. Oh, because you really liked him being the assassin. You liked being hypnotized. Um, 1962. I think it's over in my mind. Greatest hero... Very, very noble, very noble character, based on a book. Okay, I need more. I need more. You need, you need more. Yeah. Story is told from uh, the daughter's perspective. The story is told from the daughter's perspective. I don't know. What is it? What is it's it? It's a story uh, about <laughs> racial tension. Oh, okay. Oh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know that was made in '62. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, Atticus Finch. Uh, in the in the top uh, rankings, top ten rankings. Of uh, greatest heroes in movies, yeah. Uh, there is only one woman. What woman would that be? Science fiction. Barbarella. Barbarella, no. Oh shoot! Uh, so uh, Princess Leia, I guess. Princess Leia, no. Oh, science fiction. Oh, oh actually, sorry. There is another woman uh, who is in a more of a thriller. Okay. My, my apologies, but then there's a science fiction one as well. So this is greatest hero. Greatest hero in movies. And a science fiction has gone greatest heroes. Two women are in the top ten. Who are they? So science fiction. Greatest hero, I guess Ripley. Ripley, yeah, that's right. Number eight. That's and one. And then the other one, 
What was the other one? What were your clues for the second? Uh, well, you can, I'll give you clues. I'll okay. give you 1991 was the year. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, and the actress, uh, or actor, but they called them actresses back then, received the Academy Award for, for her performance in this. Okay. So did the villain. Also received an Academy Award for his performance. Oh, wow. In this. Uh, the actress is primarily known, did a lot of kids' roles. Knew her for kids' roles when she was a, a young and oh, okay, so Jodie uh, Foster. Jodie Foster, so who would it be? 1991. Is it Sons of the Lambs? Yes. Clarice Starling. Huh. Okay. Now, moving over to villains. All right. Who is the number one villain movie uh, history? Is it Darth Vader? 1991 is the year. Oh, 19, oh I guess it's going to be that, that ding-dong Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Boo. 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 Phony. Boo. Yeah. All right. So here's here's one more. Okay. Uh, the audience cheered the most. <laughs> You're like, yay! Yeah. This all worked out. Kay. Hooray! Hooray! Year is 1946. 1946. Who's everyone cheering for? 1946. Who's everyone cheering for? 1946. If you're the kind of person who watches movies a lot, yeah, you've seen this movie a lot. I've seen this movie a lot because it all worked out. It did work out. It really worked out quite well. Like, is this like a modern take on it? Like, at the time, audiences might not necessarily have. Been... It was modern times. Yeah, it took place during the time that uh, they were living in. It was, yeah. Is it like It's a Wonderful Life? Yes. Which was not a successful film. So that's why I was a bit confused by saying. But people. Uh, but now big, we think biggest cheer. I just mean in like so in our modern times, this, that movie gets the biggest cheer. I guess that's what they mean. Yeah, I'd say that 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 does uh, make sense. You're right at the time. Okay. You go. And one and one final one. Here we go. Uh... Most memorable movie quotes. Uh, Do you want to just take a, a rough guess at number one just without the year yet? <laughs> Play it again, Sam. Well, Even though that's not what he says that, in the movie. Yeah, that was... Mean, <laughs> but I mean, that's a common... You mean uh, someone saying the title of a Woody Allen Yeah, movie? that's right. <laughs> movie. Uh, yeah. All right. How about all these Nazis, eh, Sam? That one? <laughs> this is the start of a beautiful relationship. Okay. Oh, this is the start of a beautiful friendship. Friendship, yeah. Oh, that could that could be one of them. Uh, but I don't. Uh, yes, that's number twenty. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Falls way down there. So there's ones that are bigger than that. Yeah. So, oh, let's just think now. <laughs> let's put me on the spot. Make my my creaking sure, brain. Sure, sure, sure. Um, Rosebud would have to be. I would think be in there. You know what? I'll I'll give you this though. Uh, you picked one from Casablanca, but there's a a, a more popular one from Casablanca. What's the more popular one from Casablanca? Of all the joints or whatever the all the <laughs> you have to walk into mine. Yes, you know, that's not a bad that's not a bad guess, but that isn't what it is. Okay. Uh I think it's the last thing he says to her. But you're if, right, Hill of Beans is the is a thing, but then the very last thing that he says to her. I don't know what he says. What did he say? Here's looking at you, kid. Oh, that's ah, darn it. That's that's it. You're right. That's that's good. I forgot about that one. Uh so I'll give you the year. Okay. Nineteen thirty nine. 1939. 1939. This is the line. I guess we're not in Kansas anymore. I guess we're not in Kansas anymore. It's number four. That is also <laughs> from 1939. Good guess on that. Well done. But number one is also Num- for 39? Not, yeah. Another movie that came out in 39. Let me tell you this. Mm. Long ass movie. It's a long movie? Long movie. Got an intermission in it. Oh, what is that one called? Uh, it's Well, it's going to be Gone with the Wind. And it'll be... Uh, Frankly, my dear, or whatever, Frankly Scarlet, or whatever, I don't give a damn, or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I like that you really didn't give a damn while saying it. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Okay. All right. And, and because you guessed uh, 
Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. And yeah. frankly, my dear, dear, I don't give a damn. Yeah. You missed two and three. We didn't miss. But their two <laughs> and three are in there. They're both Marlon Brando quotes. Okay. What do you got? Whatever it is. Isn't what, that? What do you got? Yeah, when the guy says, what are you rebelling against? He says, what do you oh, got? what do you got? That's not bad. That's not a bad one. Okay. But that's not, uh, okay. that's not it. Uh, one is from 72. One is from 54. I could have been the contender. Okay. Now I'm a bum. Can you give me a little more to that quote? Uh, that's all I can remember of it. Sorry. You don't understand. I could have been a contender. I could have had class. Oh, yeah. Okay. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody instead of a bum, which is what I am. Then he shows him his bum. <laughs> he had a little cute tattoo. He had a raccoon tattoo on him. He did. A little raccoon. What, what's that one? <laughs> that's because I'm trash. <laughs> uh, uh, number and three? 72 was his other quote. 72? Oh, okay. Make him an offer you can't refuse. That's right. Well done. We all had a good time. <laughs> Someone did. You. Yeah, I did. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I did pretty good. Yeah. There's a couple no, times where my mind, my mind went blank, but, you know. I mean, you're doing that uh, frame thing at night, right? So you're, uh, yeah, I got, uh, in, or, one, or got in one guest today. It was an easy one today. Got in one guest yesterday, too. Oh, good. Yeah. I was pretty proud of myself for that one. Well, today, again. Oh, wait. I don't want to say it. What was the one f- that you guessed from today? So I'll, I'll make sure we're both on the same page here. Because I don't want to say it. And then you go, but I haven't guessed today's yet. Because I'm one a day behind. You're a day behind? So well, no, no. You're, you're always a day behind. Oh, you're okay. Always, and I, I don't want to guess. So what was the one today? The one today? I guessed today was Apocalypse Now. Right. So when I saw that one, I guessed uh, Kong Skull Island. <laughs> because okay. they're yeah. basically doing Apocalypse Now when they do uh, yeah, Kong yeah, yeah. Skull I- Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, they actually just, it's actually a podcast. <laughs> and the one the, day, one the day before was uh, Children of Men. Yeah. Which I was looking at and it had a, like a, you know, it looked like a desolate kind of a post or a post-apocalyptic or in apocalyptic moment film. Right. But looking at the buildings, they looked like uh, buildings in London. So I went, oh, this is probably That's Children of Men. That's how you do. And I guessed, guessed it right. That is how Sometimes you do. Sometimes you get them. Sometimes other ones, there's one for uh, Big Hero Six, and I think it took me till oh, took me till five to get it. I couldn't, I couldn't. You know, it was like futuristic San Francisco. Uh, I don't know, uh, something you know, something else. And then it was just like a house. And it was obviously animated, but I could not think of what movie. And I've seen, I've seen that movie, but it's not the sort of film that sticks in your head. Yeah, there was a British time travel one that I was like, well, I've seen it. I can tell oh, you it. Yes, about time. Yeah, I got that on the first guess as well. Yeah, I was like, I know it. I know everything about it, but yeah. I cannot tell you what the name is because the name is so generic that I just can't, I can't do it. It was so weird because, yeah, I was just looking at it and I went, okay, it's a back of a house, two girls laying on a blanket with, in bikinis, setting themselves, two men sitting in chairs in the, in the distance, about time. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. It's just weird. Sometimes it just kind of clues you in. The other one that I had to write to Mary and say, if you don't get today's uh, framed in one guess, I'm going to be disgusted. Ooh. And, uh, you're no daughter of mine. Yes, exactly right. And she wrote back and said, hereditary. And I said, you're right. <laughs> yeah, whenever it's one... It's just a telephone pole. Yeah, whenever there's one that I don't know at all, I'm like, it's a horror movie that came out. <laughs> all right, uh, so just take a horror movie guess, and sometimes I'll get it from yeah. that. I'm like, how'd you know that one? You didn't see that one. I know, but I know what I didn't see. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's movies that I haven't seen either that I, you know, that it takes me like longer to get them because I'm not recognizing anything. Or sometimes it is... There's things about movies that, like, some uh, shots that are apparently are I- iconic that I don't remember them. One thing I, I do miss from shows like 
sneak previews, you know, or at mm. the movies with uh, Ebert and Roper, yeah. was like you get a scene. Yeah. You know, you just get a scene, and then they talk about the scene, and then they talk about the movie. So even if you didn't see the movie, you'd go, I kind of get what yeah. what's yeah. going on. Yeah. Yeah, like I remember, like there was a scene from Videodrome they showed that just mm. haunted me. Mm. It was like, jeez. And I was like, yeah, now if I see something like that, I'm like, oh, Videodrome. What? What did you see Videodrome? Well, what's in it? To, on a TV show, they they show the scariest scene from a horror yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. They show the funniest scene from a comedy. <laughs> you know, that's what the movies. That's what the company wants you to see. Um, I just watched a video of it's from so it 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 features John Landis, John Carpenter, and John Cronenberg. Sorry, David Cronenberg. So I was going to go all the Johns. All the Johns. Uh, David Cronenberg. This one like some kind of like local. It looks like like a local like a small film show probably la based Mm -hmm. and just talking about horror movies and it's really interesting like carpenter was in the midst of making the thing cronenberg was in the midst of filming videodrome john landis was i suppose making twilight zone much to his Mm. much to his uh (laughs) anyway what a disastrous thing that was for him which way but i think he's in the middle of that they say a secret project they don't say what it is but i i don't know what he made after American Werewolf in London. So, because he's, he's talking about that film. Uh, and they make some really interesting, there's a really interesting conversation because, like, they're talking about, like, movie ratings and they don't express frustration with it. Like, all of them are like, well, I don't think small children should, should see these sort of movies. Like, I think having, like, a rating system or having recommendations or limiting. And Cronenberg himself says, I think there should be, like, they brought it in later. He says, I think there should be, like, a, like one that's like you know fourteen and younger can't go into this movie. Like no way can they get into that movie. Yeah. You know, I think they brought it in as PG six fifteen or PG fourteen or whatever. Like we have that okay. one here now, right? Where the, the original one was PG thirteen. PG thirteen. Okay, yeah. So you know, it, but he was talking about like going to see, going to some pre like in the states, going to like a, a movie theater where they were playing Rabbit or something like that, and said someone's bringing in like their six year old daughter to the movie, and he said he said this is not a movie for six-year-olds to see like that's just ridiculous yeah. so obviously the audience is going to make these kind of good decisions to not expose their children to this kind of stuff so we have to have a system that works and then he says i'm from ontario where it's a horrible system because the government takes the film away from you they edit it yeah then they re- return their movie back to you and you have to play that film isn't that something if you add anything like if you add any footage back into the movie you can be arrested and go to jail like that is a different kind of a rating system yeah, yeah. i mean remember when just before we went down to ape we went and saw because we'd i you know i made i made you watch evil dead 2 with me and you loved it of course because it's great and so then evil dead was playing in town i was like well we got to go see this because it's right. equally great it's kind of different but equally great and so we went to like the caprice or something yep. but the, they had a print from ontario and so they had cut out huge chunks of the movie were missing and i was just like watching in horror because i wanted you to experience this film and you were getting this kind of truncated broken up thing that was like like you know like bc had a different system of how they how they handled you know they didn't cut those films up they just get gave a rating so it would have been like restricted to go see um evil dead which is perfectly fine i think you know like i think it's better to have a rating than to have this sort of like a guillotine at you know (laughs) chopping up the movie Especially when the director is not is not uh, part of the process, like they're not saying, you know, maybe if you take out this part here or whatever. No, they're just like cutting out, like just 
clumsily hatcheting the movie. And then on top of that is like legal threats to, you know, keep you in line with, yeah. with the decisions. It's just, it's horrible. It's weird old things like that. I mean, sorry, it's just a side thing. But like, uh, that was a thing like in England until fair, like a couple of decades ago. Yeah. Uh, was the video you, nasties. Oh, no, no. I was going to oh, say, okay. I was going to say this was a thing about plays. Oh, okay. Was you had to run all of your plays scripts, uh, by the government. Mm. Like they had to read it all and approve it. Yeah. Otherwise you could not do a play. Yeah. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Which is one of the reasons that they uh, started doing, or like uh, Keith Johnson started doing improv, mm. which is like, we're going to just make stuff up. Yeah. And then we can do what we want. Yeah. You know, yeah. because you, you don't have that option. But like the idea that the government could just go, no, <laughs> you can't do this play about the thing you want to do the play about. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. England. <laughs> like, you know, and yeah, that uh, this was in Canada is like, that's stunning. Yeah. It feels great. And especially because. Like, uh, the other thing they mention is that, well, John Landis brings it up, like, in, he said, when I did Kentucky Fried Movie, I had a scene in there of, you know, a couple having sex, the woman on top, the movie got a PG rating. <coughs> Three years later, I have a similar scene in, in American Werewolf in London of a woman on top. It's in a porno film that's being shown on a screen that the people are in the room. Right. It's not directly part of the movie. They said I would have an X rating if I had that in the movie. So the violence was fine. So in the 70s, it was hard to get violence through, but sex was fine. In the 80s, violence was okay. Sex was hard to get past. It wasn't because... Okay, could I ask if, like, I would really like to ask him this sure. question. Oh, yes. Uh, the only interaction, by the way, I've had with John Landis was once uh, we were in San Diego and he walked by and he was, like, really just strutty. He was uh, really oh, happy. Yeah. Yeah. And my wife just uh, gave him some finger guns and went, you're great. And he finger gunned <laughs> back and went, Thank you. And then just kept going. You could take a little even more bounce in his step. Like it was just what he wanted to hear. Um, but what I would ask him is like, is it because this was a movie in a porno theater? And so they were watching a porno movie. So we're watching a porno movie. Yeah. And porno movies are X-rated. So just because you've said this is now a porno movie, yeah. if the same thing was happening like in the theater, yeah. physically in the theater... But it's on the, then it's not a porno. And yeah. It's not an X rating, but it's on the screen. Mm-hmm. You're showing me a porno film. So you probably it could be context. I don't really know. Yeah, it's, I don't it's know. Hard it's hard to a, know, right? It's a, because it's a real weird one. Like you said, it was the same scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shot for shot but as in Kentucky movie. Just because t- technically. One's a comedy? No, not even that. You've said this is a porno film. Yeah. In your film. Mm. You're showing me a porno film. Yeah, I yeah. I can see how the person watching it would just go, this is probably a real porno film. <laughs> So yeah. I have to. It does I have, have that look to it. I have to give it yeah. an X rating. Yeah, yeah. You know, even though it could be, it could be this. Yeah, weird. And then the other thing that was interesting in the interview was uh, talking to John Carpenter. Or they're talking about previews, mm-hmm. and they said, "What do you think about previews?" And and uh, so John Carpenter and David Cronenberg both said they both said the same thing. Originally, I was initially I was opposed to previews, but then I realized how helpful they are in in helping you make decisions about the movie because Do you mean you, like movie trailers? No, or? no, like having like a premiere or like a preview of the movie so people can see it oh, and then okay. have like reactions so to what's in the okay, film. Okay, all right. He said because you're too close to it. You can't see the flaws or you can't see what yeah. what other people see. So That's true. he said like in when I originally showed scanners, the head ex- the head explosion took place in the first two minutes of the movie. Oh. And it was too much yeah, yeah, too yeah, soon. Yeah. So I moved it for I had ten minutes. And that was the preview that told me that. You know, if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have realized it because 
you know, I was, by that point, I was so used to it, it was nothing to me. But to the audience, it was an incredibly, an emotional moment that really left an impression on them and made them, made it hard for them to, you know. And John Lannis made a point was that, he said, my only problem with previews is I, with American Werewolf in London, I made a terrible cut in the film. And that's because there's a scene in the movie where the werewolf attacks some bums uh, that are, as we used to call them, you know, hanging around like yeah. some, in a, near a tunnel. Yeah. Tunnel yeah, bridge or whatever. Tube station. Yeah, that's right. And in the original cut, it was a really like big jump scare, like big scary jump gory thing. Yeah. And the whole audience was like so, like, you know, like so taken aback by what they were talking to each other. And he was in the back going, You're missing the exposition. And so he cut it out of the movie and he says it was oh. the worst thing that I did because I took out what was really like the standout part of the film. And that really got people talking. Be, he said it would be like, we didn't say that, but I was thinking it would be like Alfred Hitchcock going, oh, this shower sequence is too much. I better cut it out because the audience is like too busy chatting yeah. to, to really get much. Stops you know. the flow. Yeah, it t- stops the flow of the movie. And yeah, no, no, you need those you need those moments in your film. I'm not the biggest fan of American World in London. I remember seeing it as a kid, like really looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. And I do like the comedy elements of it. I love them walking across the moor. Uh, when he and, yeah. he and Jack are in Scotland and they're walking... David and Jack are walking through the the heath or the the moors or whatever, and and then they get attacked and like I like all like I love that part of the movie. But it's just after that I feel like it kind of devolves into sort of like a series of vignettes that aren't really connected. Okay, and, I, I like it a lot. The, the okay, movie, yeah. okay, yeah. I just feel like the one the one scene that really super disturbed me was uh, just a throat cutting scene. That's the, in the, the dream. Scene. Yeah, the dream, the dream yeah. sequence because I'd never seen a throat cut mm-hmm. like. In that, and it was just, what am I seeing? The, ma- so the masked characters, the whole thing yeah. is very, yeah, dreamlike and disturbing. And, yeah. and it's not something that fits in the tone of the film. That's my problem with it, though, is that it kind of, there's a lot of scenes like that in the film where it keeps moving around in tone. Sure, sure. But, I, but, I but have trouble with when that. you've got a horror movie sometimes to do a tonal shift. Yeah. Cause, you know, now, all right, listen. I'm I'm I've acclimated to the heat of this hot tub, so I'm fine. I <laughs> yeah, can yeah. I, I it was really hot when I got in. Yeah. I was uh, and uh, and now uh, what's that bucket of ice that you got? Well, jeez, like what's this? That's not part of this. And it's like yeah, yeah but now you've reacted. Now you're alert. Okay, now back in the hot water. What? Ah, uh, okay. Now anything can happen, and now I'm all messed up. Yeah, yeah. And I guess I mean this is more in retrospect now, but I I feel like and I. I I watched The Howling a little while ago, rewatched it, because I was over at David's, and uh, he had just got it on DVD, and I was like, oh, let's watch this, because I haven't seen this since I was right. in grade eight. And I watched it on home video, which is not always the best way to watch a film. But my feeling about both those films is the same, which is that it's way too much transformation stuff. Like, I know that was cool at the time, yeah. but now you're just watching it, and you're like, how long do we have to watch this guy change? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the hand stretching and the mouth. Really and painful. And yeah. <laughs> I do like the painful part of it. I think that's kind of interesting. The idea that it's not a pleasant experience is kind of cool. You know, because in the old werewolf movies, like with Lon Chaney, like it's just sort of a, a dissolve to like hairiness, but you don't get any sense of like the agony your body would go through transforming into a wolf. Yeah. It does you know? make you feel uh, sympathetic for the, uh, for the character. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, oh, I was going to say something with something, but it's gone. And that's okay. <laughs> that's all fine. Um, yeah, I thought it was a really interesting interview. I really enjoyed it, actually. They're all... Oh, I was, gonna, I was going to say, it's something surprising like... Surprising answers. Uh, it's something like, you know, what, the face-melting scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. There's nothing else like that in the movie. No. And then when it happens... Yeah. Jeez! Yeah. And I think, and you know I'm not a fan of, like, 
uh, Temple of Doom. But I think like in Temple of Doom, there's so many gross out things that happen in it mm-hmm. that you're like, hmm, you know, <laughs> all right. Like, but it's so, it's yeah. so tonally different than the rest of the movie. Yeah. And it's also, it's one of the first things that happens in the movie that you would never have seen in the serials that they're, that they're doing. Mm. Right. Yeah. So like, that's like tr- that's a trick that you can do like once in a movie. Sure, yeah. It's like we know, and it has to be the end as well. Mm-hmm. You know, if it was it because it's basically the capper of the film, right? Like it doesn't once you've melted people's faces, there's you just can't. Yeah. There's no going. There's, there's, there's no going a scene back. like that, and it's a terrible movie. But like in Superman three, like Superman three is a film that like has about fifteen minutes of good movie in it, and then oh, can I guess boy. guess what you're going to mention? Well, yes, the you tra- know the transformation. Transformation. Scene. Oh, it's horrifying. It's horrifying. Yeah, yeah. It's really incredible. good. Yeah, it's, it's and really jarring, and yeah. it's like, geez, what's yeah. this? Yeah. Uh, if, if there was more of that in the film, it would have been a better movie. Well, <laughs> if it was a better movie, it would have been a better movie, and then if you added that at the end, it would have been uh, like, oof. Yeah, well, yeah. It would have been yeah. that really impactful. Mm-hmm. What's he going up to fight now? Oh, the stakes have really been raised. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing. You can do it like once in a movie like that. You set your tone, yeah. and then like we break tone once, once, mm. and then you know you you've now like taken things to a dangerous level for the character. Yeah. But you know sometimes you don't do that. Sometimes <laughs> you throw out your werewolf scene. It's too bad. <laughs> yeah. No, it's interesting. I just uh, yeah. The reaction, the wrong reaction to that. Sometimes maybe you're too close to the film, or maybe you're too precious about the film, and you're worried, like precious about your script, and you didn't want yeah, that yeah. dialogue. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's sometimes, yeah, in movies where you do something that's so jarring, you've got to just you look. The next couple of scene, <laughs> who cares? Yeah. You know, it's like it's like there's stuff like that, and something about Mary, where there's just like what and it's like okay listen the next minute people are just getting their shit back together like they got to figure out what's going on yeah Yeah. well i guess that's why jonathan richmond's in it to give those little musical yeah a little bit embellishments you know that kind of break up the the horribleness it's weird it's weird to me like mentioning the louis del grande head exploding scene in scanners Mm -hmm. Uh, you, you got that, and then you got the face melting scene in Raiders, and both of them were so horrific on the screen, like yeah. just so. I've never seen anything like this, and now <laughs> they use them on talk shows as punchlines for jokes, mm. and they'll just cut to you know this image, and you'll see it, and they're like, ah, yeah, yeah, we're used to this now, yeah. we're used to this now. But it we're was nearing, the yeah. most horrific thing you could see. I saw I saw it in a magazine before I saw the movie. Mm. They had like. On the cover of the magazine, they had Louis Del Grande's head exploding. It might have been like Fangoria, one of those kind of ones like that. That you know, and then inside they had like a a shot by shot, you know, because uh, um, it was so fantastic to people. You know, that it yeah. was done. And how they did it was uh, he had a twin brother, and they blew his head. <laughs> <laughs> Huey Del Grande. Yeah, Huey Del Grande, <laughs> and then Dewey Del Grande. <laughs> Dewey was okay. <laughs> Yeah. Did you hear? Sorry, this was something I saw on television uh, recently that was, right. was just so weird. Which was, uh, I think it's like Fooey. I think it's Fooey. But like there's Huey, Dewey, Louie, and then yeah. there's Fooey. I did not know this. Okay, but Fooey yeah. is sometimes they accidentally draw a fourth duck. There are times where oh, okay. in continuity they switch yeah. you know, over to the other side and like there's a duck there. Yeah. Well, there's only three ducks. 
who's that duck? Okay. And so when they screw up and draw a fourth duck, yeah. then I think it's like fooey. Oh, I see. Yeah. This is a kind of fooey. I mean, yeah, it's just this one extra duck that's like yeah, hanging yeah. around. So like sometimes you see him, sometimes you don't. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I guess my most, my most, just thinking about movies that have a scene in it that takes you out of the movie, obviously my always go to is, uh, Train spotting with the death of the baby. Yeah. Which to me, it's yeah. not that it's, I mean, it's emotionally. But yeah, what it does. Fooey is the duck. Sorry, go ahead. What it does for me is that it, it makes me dislike the characters. So I can't sympathize with their, what's, what they're going through anymore. I'm just completely, you know, my emotions are turned off for them. And I'm just watching them, the rest of the film. They're just, uh, to me, it's just going through the motions. Yeah. Even when Ewan McGregor's character kind of has his moment of, you know, realization and, and escapes from it i'm indifferent to all that because they murdered a baby so you know, yeah. just, it's hard to walk that back you know like it'd be like one of them ran over a puppy you know and then you're like well now you're gonna like those people what no you just can't do that like you cannot there's a, there's walk a, back from that yeah there's a denzel for me there's one movie that was like that and I, i'm trying to remember the name of it but it was a denzel washington movie where he's a real badass and i don't know if it's training day I don't think it's training day. It's something else uh, where... uh, Man on on fire? You know what? Coincidentally, it's not, but it's about a man on fire. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Where, like, he's, uh, like, uh, leading a a criminal thing and, like, you know, covers a guy in gas and just throws uh, his lighter coolly and sets the guy on fire. Yeah. And I'm just like, well, done. (laughs) Like, I don't care what happens to you. Like, I don't care what your story of redemption or you do something noble. You set a guy on fire, so go to hell. I don't care. (laughs) I don't care. Yeah, Yeah, you've you've crossed that line and now there's no coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Which is weird because, like, if you shot someone, you wouldn't be like, eh, but it's just the visceralness of it. It's just too much. Like, you know, like, films are a visual medium and when you make, make them, and I remember talking to David about this you know, and of course, part of the transparent thing is that I was a new father. So yeah. uh, that was, you know, very... I had another friend who was exactly mm-hmm. the same way. He was just mm-hmm. like, done. Because <laughs> yep, he was yeah. a new dad, too. Yeah. I couldn't do it. And, uh, and he said, well, the baby looks so fake. And you're like, well, that's not the point. The point is within the, the world of the movie, a baby died through their neglect. So I cannot emotionally connect to those people anymore. Yeah. You know? It just doesn't work. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. Though. But yeah, like you say, it, for me, of course, I was so... It was much more emotionally, or where I was, I was more vulnerable to that. I might have a different feeling about it now. If I saw a movie like that, you know, having my own baby is so in the distant past now that I might have a different, it wouldn't be as much of a gut punch as it was then. I still wouldn't like it. Like, I still wouldn't like those people. But I don't know how I'd react to it. Yeah. I can't tell. The, um, it, so- I certainly don't enjoy nihilism in movies the way I would have done as a teenager or in my 20s. You know, like just sort of easy violence or just sort of callousness in films and stuff, which at that time I would just shrug off, you know, because, eh, just humans, who cares? That is a scene, like, I've seen I've seen it in, in some Dracula movies where he gives a baby to his brides and they eat the baby, basically, mm-hmm. like off camera or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, done. I'm done. I don't care about Dracula now. Like, there's no, you know, but you know, he's got levels and he's got yeah, feelings. Yeah, no, no. Well, I, don't, just, I don't think you're supposed to like Dracula. I think, I think that's well, fine. Well, you're supposed to be a little charmed by Dracula, I think. Really? Well, uh, you go with like the Francis Ford Coppola Dracula. I think like by the end of that one, you're supposed to like give a shit 
Cause mm-hmm. like he's, you know, he, he still feels love and, you know, it's him like, I think dead with his bride or something, something. It's something where you're <laughs> supposed to like give a, give a damn about the guy, mm. even though, yeah, he's a, he's a monster. <laughs> it, it's, it's a tough one. Like how far do you go with your villain yeah, before yeah. you can pull back? Um, there well, you're anti hero, I guess. Yeah. Cause a villain is different than I. There was a thing recently where, uh, someone was complaining about, uh, you know uh the the loki series and they were talking about how he was like the first openly bisexual character in marvel and uh, that they didn't do that much with that you know it was like yeah they just say this like offhandedly and you know if you're going to go for it go for it mm. and i'm like well do you want your first you know bisexual character to be a guy that just killed 80 people in new york and took a guy's eye out because like <laughs> just before this story happens yeah. He's Osama bin Laden. He's attacking New York. He's doing all these horrible, horrible things. Yeah. Is that the representation that you want? And it's actually weird in the Loki series that we're like, yeah, we'll like this guy. But yeah, okay, Should you we? like the Loki <laughs> that uh, redeemed himself over many, many movies. Yeah, yeah. This guy just was just was killing people, just pulled a guy's, an old man's eye out, uh, killed 80 people in New York. Was going to kill everyone in New York, uh, or if the, who didn't like you know do all this that and the other. He's he's a freaking monster. Yeah, but you know he's a he's a bit of a charmer. And uh, in that's now a, we're that's a good point home. actually, isn't it? Because our reactions to Loki in the TV series is our feelings about him when from like inf- uh, Infinity Wars. Is that what it's called? Infinity Wars. Uh, Infinity. Yeah, Infinity War and then Endgame. Which one does he get killed in? He gets killed in like everything. He gets killed in Dark World, <laughs> but he but gets then he's fine. But he gets killed by Thanos, and then and, he gets killed, yeah, in Infinity War, which is kind of a noble end for him. Yeah, you know, and so that's our feeling about him. He paid the price there, yeah. And then, but yeah, you're right because the one that he the the Loki in uh, Loki is the earlier New York Loki, not the yeah, later. He escaped from the tower like right after. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right after. He did all the things that he was doing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, though they they did uh, do the thing where they basically showed him the other Loki's life, mm. and so gave him all the spoilers. And he watched himself die, and he went went through all this. And he was like, "Oh, so that's oh okay." And so it was like an emotional catharsis or whatever. And I guess he grew emotionally watching his clips. I don't know if that uh, <laughs> if that's if that's right, but uh, I don't think he's the one that you want to have. As your uh, as your representation, there mm. was a, there was a thing t- uh, that was very similar today where someone was online talking about how they were very, online. Uh, yeah, they were online, and they were disappointed when they saw Star Wars uh, and uh, Darth Vader's helmet came off yeah. at the uh, at the end of Jedi, Potato. and he was uh, he was white, and it was like, no, he's he's James Earl Jones. Have him be James Earl Jones. It was like, well, Luke's white, yeah. And so, you know, and, but he's you not, know, Yoda's green. Figure but he's a, a combination out. of two people, Darth How Vader. Because so? David Prowse is that yeah. performer playing the physical That's Darth true. Vader. That's true. So, But my feeling my feeling on that that I was saying was like, yeah, but in the Star Wars world, there's there's two black people. There's there's Lando. Yeah. If you're going with that, then, yeah, yeah. then there's two black people. And one is Lando, yeah. who's a bit of a scumbag, who's like betrayed. Let's call him a scoundrel. Let's go scoundrel bag, you know, <laughs> but he's a dodgy character. He's like yeah. Han Solo with less ethics. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like we got that guy. And then if the only other person who's like a black man in the Star Wars universe is the most evil man in the universe, mm. 
that's not the best representation, you know, you can have. So, yeah, okay, it's fine that he's the whitest guy that we meet so far. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. He looks like, you know, he's the guy from the paper chase. That's fine. You know, he looks like uh, John Houseman. Yeah, John yeah he Houseman. does look a bit John Houseman-ish. Yeah, yeah. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Did it bother you when his helmet came off? And you oh, saw I hated it at the time. Yeah? Oh, yeah. What did you want him to look like? David Prowse? Not David Prowse, who's, you know. He's a fine-looking guy, David Prowse. Yeah, but no, I just think that he should have been more handsome. Okay, more handsome. All right, not like weird, kind of weirdly. So, are you thinking uh, potato head? All right, were you thinking? Okay, who's the guy who played Count Dooku? Who's like from the Hammer movies? Oh, Chris Lee. Yeah, do you think it should be? be That would have been a good, good choice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, someone who's kind of like dashing or whatever you know but it would have to be christopher lee would have been a good guy to go up against alec guinness yes that would have been good yeah and i think and i think like like his good looks but spoiled obviously by whatever he went through we don't know at that time whatever made him darth vader right you know like i don't they didn't know either they're just making it up as they went well that's the thing too like in the old star wars you didn't really get the idea that uh you know, it, like it wasn't just a suit of armor that he's basically putting on, and he's probably okay. like you saw one thing where you saw him from his back where he was getting the helmet put on. Yeah, but that could just be he's lazy, and that's how he gets his <laughs> helmet put on. Not that this is a life. Is that so- in the first movie? No, that's Empire. Yeah, yeah. That, th- it's it, you know this this is necessarily a life support system. No, no, that's right. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just wearing like a a scary, intimidating costume, yeah. right? That's he's like the Black. He's like the Black Knight. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, when you watched it as a kid, you weren't going, "Oh, this is obviously a guy on a respirator." Yeah, he's on a respirator. <laughs> that's not what you were thinking. You're just that thinking, "This the, is the coolest, scariest dude that's ever walked into a spaceship." To the point where they spaceship. do General Grievous, and you're just like, "Well, this guy just needs to be in a hospital." I don't feel good <laughs> about anyone beating this guy up. He's, yeah, uh, really needs. Well, he's a, is he like a cyborg? Yeah, he's a cyborg. So he's part human, part yeah. Okay. But all the bad parts of the but human, bad lungs, yeah, the bad parts of a human, like fix combined that with, shit, combined with some really efficient mechanical it, parts. Yeah, it feels like the one thing they've got no technology yeah. for at all in the Star Wars universe is like breathing things. Mm. So you're gonna just like be wheezy, <laughs> no matter what. Yeah, well, it was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. You're right. Yeah, yeah. but they still had faster than light uh, technology, which means, oh well, you could do the old. You could do the old go away at the faster than the speed of light and then come back to the planet and many, many years have passed if you ever want to do uh, bring things into the present. It's up to you. It's up to you, Lucasfilm. That's how you do it. You go by the laws of physics. Wait, you are, don't. Are present? You could. Okay. Once you're going away at the speed of light and you come back, time has passed. It's true. It's true. One of my favorite books is about that. What is your favorite book? I said one of my favorite, uh, The Forever War by Joe Haldeman. Okay. Which is a science fiction analogy for the Vietnam War, where the people fighting in this alien conflict, these Earth people, um, you know, they go off and they have these big battles and they come back to Earth and like 500 years has passed. But to them, it's just like a year or whatever. Mm. And it was like, he used it as a way to like talk about the feeling of displacement of the veterans coming back from Vietnam. How when you left, it was this. When you came back, it was that. And it was hard for people to figure it out and in the book it just gets more and more attenuated to the point like when they return humans aren't even humans anymore they've they've evolved into something different and that these people don't even like fit into the world anymore they have no place in it at all oh okay you know it's interesting it's a good book 
Nice. Highly recommend it. I actually bought a Star Trek book a little while ago. Uh, and you know how I feel about Star Trek. Uh, because it was written by Joe Haldeman, though. So I was like, oh, well, it's, oh, okay. it's got to be good. <laughs> you think, may the force be with you. That's what you think. No, Star Trek. Yeah, Star Trek. Force The force be with you. Um, <laughs> very, popular, very popular expression. That's the one with the Time Lords, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Rock and the Time Lords. Yeah. Speaking of books, uh, uh, my friend Nina Matsumoto, Third Dragon, mm-hmm. uh, and I went and did a uh, talk. Three talks. Oh, I didn't know this. At a school. At, at a school? A school. A French immersion school, I believe. I see. Uh, it had Ecole in the name of the okay, school. Okay, so that's my assumption. And uh, yeah, we talked, uh, we talked Sparks. And, uh, and, and, you know, we or did. Or Zap, as you called it. We, we sometimes called it Zap. Uh, we did a little presentation and I showed how to do a basic story. I see. And uh, Nina showed how to draw the characters and how to draw. Uh, you can make any shape into a cat. And I drew three shapes and she went, I can't make those into cats. But she still did. <laughs> but she went, like, make them easier next time. And I was like, okay, all right. The, the fix was in. Um, but, uh, but, but, but the thing that I liked the most, cause it was like from grade three to grade, like it was grade three and four. And then I think it was four and five. And then I would think it was like five and six. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and every time. Every time it was this, like, oh, you want to see uh, how she draws uh, the characters? Here we go. And so she went, well, it's simple shapes. And she would draw the shapes. And uh, and then as soon as she started drawing the eyes, like inking in the eyes, yeah. and it looked like the cats, yeah. gasps. <laughs> Just <laughs> gasps from the, ah! Like it was, it was uh, the way I've described it is like, it's just like an inch away from someone yelling, witch! She's a witch! Because it was like she made an actual cat appear in front of yeah. them. They couldn't believe it. And wow. I thought like, okay, well, this is grade threes. Mm. They're, they're yeah. not easily far impressed. from peekaboo. <laughs> they're easily impressed. Right, they're very easily impressed. <laughs> yeah, I, could, I yeah. could convince many of them that Santa might be in the building. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's fair. But then when we're getting to the grade sixes, it's going to be a bit yeah, of a harder. Yeah, going to be wrong, a Same deal. Ah! <laughs> great we're just preparing for the gasps <gasps> yeah and it was and then she'd uh, show it and they were all you know just amazed the shock of recognition and then her trick about like how to draw cats was uh was great and then later on they'd show us like the cats they'd drawn and then i'd uh, i'd show them how to do uh, a very basic story which was uh you know think of an animal now where would that animal never ever be so if it was a cat you'd cat on a surfboard Okay, so think of your animal. Where would it ever be? Draw a picture of that. So they drew a picture of that. Then it was like, okay, now uh, the worst thing is happening to it. Oh, my gosh, something terrible is happening. What, what's happening? It's like, oh, okay, so it's in trouble. And then the resolution, which is uh, either think, you know, uh, they solve the problem. So, you know, a shark is attacking the surfing cat, and uh, they become friends, or the shark eats the cat. It's up to you. Yeah. You can have a happy ending, sad ending. There we go. And from that point on, you can build other things. But then they would draw these things, and they just were so into it. It was great, so huh. fun. And then we asked, like, they asked a bunch of questions. And the 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 great the, okay, so the grade three one though was was pretty pretty awesome because the we asked for questions, and uh, and the first question was, uh, I know someone named Ian. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. So you know someone named Ian? Yeah. So now you know uh, two people named Ian. That's great. Okay, next question. 
I know someone named Ian. Okay. <laughs> so we have three Ians. That's good. So we know three Ians. So if there's any other questions, yeah. every other question was, I know someone named Ian. Wow. I know Ian. Ian lives next door to me. Ian's over here. Ian's our, <laughs> Ian's our grocer. Ian's my mom's yeah. friend. And so I eventually just went like, okay, raise your hand up. If you know someone named Ian, and like about half of them did, it's like, okay. And then a hand went up. I know someone named Nina. Okay. So let's just find out how many Ninas. Uh, hands up if you know another Nina. Okay. You're counting this Nina. Okay. Cause you all know this Nina. So you all do know a Nina. Okay. And then we got to the other questions, but it was just this, just this roll call of people who knew Ian's wow, that's people great. who knew Nina's. It was adorable. I yeah. love it. Kids are, I love kids, so. They are, they are great. And those kids were uh, really, really swell. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it very, sounds very, like you had fun. It was very, very fun. That's cool. And so far, no COVID. So yay, that also was good. <laughs> when you've got like infinite kids. It's also fun when you go to a school and the teachers, and I'm used to this for when we used to do like improv shows at schools. Yeah. And then just like, all right, so we're going to meet at the library and uh, let you know what's going on. And so, okay, so they're going over, you know, what's, what's going to happen and you're sitting and you're just like. I'm sitting in the tiniest chair in the world and we're acting like this is not the tiniest chair in the world. Like we're just giants sitting yeah. on these things. Yeah. Of course, Nina was then going, all the furniture is perfect for me. This is fantastic. <laughs> Everything's sized, sized to me. Like, yes, but ah, it's weird. It is I'm, weird. Even when I'm you a were a freakish monster, even when you're in junior high school and you went back to elementary school, like a year later, for whatever reason, maybe there was a school carnival or whatever you wanted to go in, sort of pop in and see your school. Your thoughts were, it's so small. Like, why are the water fountains on the floor? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Everything seems so low. And, and then if you make the mistake of just like, I got to use the washroom. Ah! <laughs> just like peeing into a cup. Get your aim right. I'm a monster. Your head's like way above, yeah, yeah. way above where it should be. You can yeah. see everything that's in the room. <laughs> like, I shouldn't be. No, show me where the... Teacher's it's, lounge. It's is. weird. It's weird how much you grow and you don't notice. You don't notice, of course. You do not notice. It's very gradual. Yeah. Unless you are in a science fiction movie. It's very gradual, our, our, our growth. So you don't notice these things. But the nice thing is, like, by the end of it, you, I knew that there were some kids that were in that room that, like, were really, really inspired by what Nina was doing. It's just like, yeah, you got to see that this was real. Mm -hmm. This is a book. There was a thing. Oh, yeah, there was, a, there was one that was nice in the middle of, like, all of this. A kid just shoots his hand up. And it's like, oh, yeah, what is it? Uh, you had a question? And it's like, I've got your book. And he just realized that the book that he'd been reading is the one that we made. And it was just, what? what how? Yeah, we made, we made that. Did you like it? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, you would never, as a kid, be like in school and just like, all right, we're going to the library. Okay, here's Dr. Seuss. He wants to talk to you about green eggs and ham. Yeah. How many here like ham? And how many? <laughs> no, of course not. That would never happen. Like yeah. authors don't show up. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good time. Especially not green eggs and ham. Mm -mm. That is one boring story. Oh, I was just thinking like, I don't know if green eggs and ham actually works anymore. Because, uh, you know, it was, it was the idea of you should try things that are new. Mm. Like maybe. Well, but there's two things. One, green ham will kill you. <laughs> what about green eggs? I can sort of see how a chicken could eat something mm. that would turn its... I mean, you're a chicken uh, owner. Yeah. So maybe there's something a chicken could eat that would turn the eggs green that you would okay. But like definitely green ham. If yeah. your ham is green, yeah. 
that thing ain't clean and you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna have some severe problems yeah. so it's bad but it's it's i know it was, it was it was initially you should try things but it's also a story that says no means no means yes mm. like just keep just keep pestering until you get a yes <laughs> and then they'll see you know what my yeah. no was wrong i yeah. should have said yes in the beginning it's like you gotta accept the no you know the guy doesn't want to eat uh, ham. You don't know if uh, uh, if Sam I am is the, or the other guy is Jewish. He yeah. looks Jewish, <laughs> you know. And you're trying to push ham on him. Same time, you don't really know their relationship, so you, you can't really judge. Maybe that's just their their uh, the way they get along. Mm. And the other guy, by the way, doesn't even get a name. I just find the story it's okay because the book's supposed to be like a learn to read book. Okay, not a read to your kids book. Because it's so, it's so repetitive. It gets really tiresome to read. Right. It's a momentum book. Yeah. It's like as you read it, there's momentum. And as a, as a kid, when you're reading something and you're, you know. Yeah. You it's a fun one to read. It. Yeah. It's a fun one to read. This is not fun to be read. I have to read it to someone. It's just, it just does not bear re- repetition. Let me just put it that way. Let me put it that way for you. And when the girls were younger, I read to them separately. Okay. Because they were not the same age. So they read it. They had different levels of books that they read. Or I read to them. It wasn't like a generic book. I didn't carry it from room to room. I'm I'm just I'm curling up my nose because I forgot Ted Cruz read the book on the seventh floor. So yeah, no, <laughs> boo, boo on that. Apparently, it was one of the hundred greatest books for kids. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna look at that whole list though, because that's the kind of thing we do at the beginning of the show. <laughs> Why? What's the top book? Oh, now you're gonna ask me for it. I was saying like this is what we're doing at the beginning of the show. Just curious. All right, you're there. All right. Well, according so to Parent open. and Child, yeah, you know, uh, okay. The 100 Greatest Books for Kids, number one. Sparks. Oh, that's really nice. Oh, well, that's really, really that nice. Okay. Well, Sparks. Uh, uh, no, it's Sparks. Sparks is a good, a good book. But uh, the number one book uh, for kids, yeah. this is ages 8 to 10. Okay. Uh, Those are it is. By uh, definition, ask me questions children. about it. Ask you questions about it? Yeah. There are 20 questions. Well, you know, guess me just to, like basically we'll do framed on this. Okay. Uh, when was it published? Oh, that's a very good question. Oh, it doesn't say? It doesn't say, but I'll tell you this. It is a fantasy book. There are animal characters. Fantasy book, there are animal characters. That's right. In this fantasy book. Is this uh, book a classic story, or is it? Yes. Well, uh, a modern classic, I'd say. A modern. Uh, As in, it's not an old fairy tale. It was published in 1952. 1952. 52. And has animals, and it's a fantasy novel. Yes. I'm saying it's a fantasy in the the fantasy element. It's very grounded in the in the location. The location is very grounded and basic and very you know just normal. Uh, but the fantasy element is that the animals can talk, mm. and one of the animals does do something that is a little fantastical that uh, you know changes changes everything. Um, but uh, but you know the environment. If you're just walking past it, you go yeah yeah rural environment. Let's say that. I'll tell you that much. Hmm. Illustrated by Garth Williams. Does that help? Oh, you? that's super help. So it's a uh, it's gonna be Charlotte's Web. That's right. Oh, okay. Yeah, I really like his, his art. He also uh, did art for uh, the Little Golden Books. Number Garth seven Williams. is Green Eggs and Ham. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, number. Uh, uh, you know what? We're just gonna do like five. Okay. <laughs> we'll do five. Okay. I've never heard of the fourth one. All right. Uh, number number two mm-hmm. is uh, is uh, a, a book. It's got animal characters in it yeah uh but it's not primarily about animal characters i see i see uh it is a, a book from ages zero to three. Oh, so yeah for little ones you yeah it's for little ones at a certain time of day you would read this book probably okay so is this a go to bed book or yeah 
Is it is it saying good night to things? Yes. <laughs> so good night moon. I yes, guess is good night moon. All right. Uh, ages eleven plus number three. Uh, this is uh, uh, f- uh, the genre is fantasy. Okay. Mostly uh, girls uh, in- involved in this. Girls. Girls eleven plus. Oh. Uh, fairly modern, I would say. Let me see Fair. when this book was written. It was recently adapted. Is it Wrinkle in Time? Yeah, boom. Well done to you. This one I've never heard of. Okay. Uh, but it is uh, ages four to seven. Okay. Uh, it is realistic fiction. Realistic fiction. Fiction. Okay. Yeah. It is written and illustrated uh, by Ezra Jack Keats. Hmm. Does not ring a bell with me either. Uh... So is it? So he said it's realistic fiction. So it's telling a true story. This is a very good question. Uh, let me uh, let me find out because, as I say, I don't know this. <laughs> you book don't know this book at all. Apparently, there's a movie. Uh, there we go. Uh, oh, it was banned once. Oh, huh. yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> it was the first color picture book to have a black main character. Oh, I see. And a lot of people were outraged. When by was this. it from? Nineteen sixty-two. Sixty-two picture book with a black. Uh, I don't know. What is it? Uh, I, I will tell you. I'll tell you the story. Uh, the the plot. Okay. Uh, it's Peter. He yeah. wakes up uh, to the season's first snowfall. He's in his bright red snowsuit. He goes outside, makes footprints, and trails through the snow. Next, Peter is uh, too young to join a snowball fight with the other kids, so he makes a snowman. Snow angel slides down a hill, returns home with a snowball stashed in his pocket. Before he goes to bed, Peter's sad to discover the snowball has melted. <laughs> the book ends uh, with the next day. He wakes up. To tons more falling snow, and with a friend, he ventures out again. Hmm. This is a book called The Snowy Day. I don't know that one. At all. I don't know that one at all. You know what? We're going to go to ten. Let's do it. Number <laughs> number five is a really good book. Uh, ages zero to three. It is fantasy. It takes place in the woods. Oh, I'm going to guess it's uh, Winnie the Pooh. One of this. One of no, this. it is not Winnie the Pooh. Oh, it, it's not Winnie the Pooh. It oh, okay. it's not. It is written and illustrated by the same person. Who's a really good illustrator. Okay. Uh, someone who uh, just passed away fairly recently. Is it where the well things are? Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, number six is one that you... Uh, all right, I'm going to go... Illustrated by uh, Mary Grand Pre. Does that help you in any way? No, it doesn't. Okay. Ages 11 plus. Yeah. Fantasy, uh, folks, fairy tale, and myths. Okay. Um, very popular. When was it published? It, ooh, that is... Uh, oh, okay, sorry. That is good. Uh, I wish they would put that in the... Yeah, you're right. There. All right, let's uh, let's see. Um, I can I can give you so many clues that we, you'd get it immediately. <laughs> uh, uh, the book was published in ninety seven. Ninety seven. Yeah. Okay. So, but it became more popular like uh, later on, and it has been adapted. A very popular adaptation. Okay, so you said it's for eleven plus. Eleven plus. It's fantasy. Fantasy. There's fairy tales mixed in. To it, uh, many uh, myths are also sort of mythological characters are in it as well. It published in 97. That's correct. Takes place in modern-ish times. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's not ringing a bell. What is it? Okay. Uh, you have gone to... Um, uh, uh, you've gone uh, to uh, the sequels of the books. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you've gone to the bookstore to buy them at parties that they've had for the sequels of this book. Oh, Harry Potter? Yeah. Harry Potter and... The Sorcerer's Stone? Yeah. Or, or the Philosopher's Stone. That's right. Should Number seven the, is the actual title. Established Green Eggs and Ham. Number eight is uh, Ages 11 Plus. It is nonfiction. It is autobiography. Hmm. 11 Plus, nonfiction. Is it, is it a historical? 
Yes. Well, it, yes. It was historical. It was historical, yes. It takes place in a very important part of history, yes. Is it uh, written by a young girl? Yes. So it's a diary of Anne Frank. I it is say. the diary of a young girl. Oh, yes. diary of a young girl, but written it's by, by Anne, Anne Frank. Frank. Okay. That's correct. I didn't know that was the actual title of it, or maybe I knew that but forgot. All right, and we're going to go number nine and ten now. Number nine is one that people go, uh, nowadays, uh, this is an annoying story, but it's it's good. Uh, it is uh, ages four to seven. It is a fantasy. It is a fable. It is a kid's book. It is fairly thin. Okay. Um, it is written by a cartoonist that is a... A good, a very good cartoonist, also a poet, very famous poet and cartoonist. Okay, who uh, wrote and illustrated his own work. Okay, so this is going to be one of like the Giving Tree or one of those. That's sort of, it. Okay, <laughs> Shel Silverstein. Okay. Okay. And now finally, uh, yeah. number number ten uh, uh, is uh, okay. Uh, it's fiction, uh, animal characters, ages 10, eight to ten, and I don't think it's ages eight to ten. I think it could be younger than this, but ages eight to ten. Okay. All right. What do you What do you think? So, ages eight to ten, fiction, animal characters. Do they yeah. live in a wood? They do live in the. Is woods. it a hundred hundred acre wood? It's not hundred acre wood. <laughs> okay, so. it's not. Um, I can see why you think so. <laughs> it's funny that didn't get into the top ten. Uh, animals. When was it published? Sorry. Oh yeah 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 yeah. This is a good question. Uh, let's see. Um, God, it's not Wind in the Willows. Is it Wind in the Willows? Yeah, but what is uh, what is the book title? The actual book title of this it, from what, year 70 is what? It is a Wind of the Willows story, yes. But, but it, the actual title of the book, the first book was... No, no, Wind of the Willows is a single oh, book. Okay, so. well, this is the one that... Uh, so is this like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride or something like that? Or Mr. It is Frog and Toad are friends. Oh, for, uh, so it's sort of an adaptation. Yeah, I guess so. Because you could not, literally could not read Wind in the Willows to any child without them dying. <laughs> was it a curse? No, it is, it it is, it's kind of like, well, okay, when so when Mary, Mary got a little older, I decided, well, you know, let's bump up the reading level a little bit. Okay. Because, you know, she was reading on her own, so it was silly to read, like, books that she could read. And and so I, I thought, oh, I'm going to read Wind in the Willows to her, because that's a fun, fun story. Sure. I thought. And then you start reading it, and you're like, what kind of vocabulary did children have in the past? Like... These kids were like walking around just spouting off $10 words everywhere they went. <laughs> and you read Piper at the Gates of Dawn, this, this sort of like uh, psychedelic chapter. I don't know how else to describe it. It is like so confusing. You're reading like this, this weird mystical experience that Ratty has where the, you know, the god Pan shows up in, 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 and it's like this phantasmagorical chapter. And it's just, and you're trying to read it to your, your daughter, your little, little kid. And you're just like, I, you know what? Neither of us are getting anything out of this. <laughs> Neither of us know what's going on here. I can understand if she didn't know what was going on, but I don't even know what's going on. I'm reading it. So I just kind of, I just sort of knocked it on the head after a while. I just realized this is too way, way too difficult. And then I tried the same thing with Tom Sawyer. Yeah. I'm like, well, Tom Sawyer is a fun story and it's yeah, got yeah. lots of adventure and stuff. And once again, the vocabulary in those books is so outside of what I really remember can read. reading it when I was 11. Like, yeah. I remember that, reading that and... Huckleberry Finn, I could tell you actually physically where I was sitting while I read yeah, it yeah. and whatnot, uh, but uh, okay. Yeah, this would have been before Mary was 11, so yeah, they're just so so advanced in, in their language that it's just, you're just, you're just thinking, you're reading and just thinking, like, who is getting anything out of this? I, I, I don't know. Like, it's just complicated. I, I can see why there were, like, kind of like abridged versions or or ones that kind of tone the, tone the language down a little bit just to make it a little, because the stories are fun. It's just the language is so difficult, you know. So, 
uh, in Mr. Toad's R- Wild Ride. Yes. The the ride. The Disney ride. Yes. Disney yes. Ride. Uh, uh, it ends with him in hell. What right? I like what I like to call a plywood ride. Okay. It ends with him in hell. Does he go to hell in the book at all? No. What, well, why'd they add that? That's a weird element <laughs> to throw. It's like, you know, yeah. it's like Winnie the Pooh and just like, oh, well, you got stuck yeah. in Rabbit's Hole. Well, now you're in hell. Isn't it? Wasn't it? I've never seen it, but was it adapted that way for the Disney short? Because that's what, that's what the ride is based on, I would think. on Because when the Headless Horseman and Mr. Toad's Wild Ride were, were two cartoons that were combined together into one feature okay. that played in movie theaters. Oh, it's not inspired by any scene in the movie or the book. Yeah. Okay, so it just was added on as yeah. a way to end the ride. Yeah, the the yeah, uh, passenger. Yeah, after he he, he uh, goes to trial. Yeah, uh, is guilty. Yes, he goes to jail in the book. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, escapes, he goes to jail. Escapes as a washerwoman. That's the thing. Uh, the, a washer the, frog. Woman. Okay, the the cars enter what's presumed to be a dark prison cell. Yeah. Before abruptly turning right and landing on railroad tracks. Yeah. Then they bounce along the tracks before colliding with an uncom- oncoming train. Yeah. Now you're dead. Yeah. Then uh then you're uh, in hell. Yeah. Uh the entire room is heated and the scenery uh, features small devils who bounce up and down laughing at you. Yeah. Uh the there's a demon who looks like the judge. And uh, a fire-breathing dragon emerges uh, to burn you to a crisp. Sure. A glowing light is seen in the back of its throat, and choking, coughing noises are heard. While the motor car speeds away, uh, granted the uh, granted a reprieve, the passengers eventually escape uh, into uh, the outside. Yeah. Whereas the original thing was, no, you're just in hell, and then the ride ends, and that's you do go outside because you know you're not really in hell. But like that's where the story ends. It's yeah, like yeah. Mr. Toad going to hell. Yeah. That's just a weird it is weird. weird call. And then the heated room. <laughs> I think that's a later edition though, right? Like that's a new new part of the ride. Which which part? The, the hell part? The addition of the dragon and things of like that. The it's, dragon was, yeah. yeah. No, you just went to hell in yeah, 55. Yeah. I don't remember the and dragon. And 83 is when the dragon shows oh, up. Oh, really? I don't remember that being part of the ride. We went. I never went when I went there as a kid on those rides, but I remember going with the kids on them. Because there's like a bunch of them together, and they all feel like they're just done really quickly to kind of fill space. And also, there's two tracks to the Walt Disney World version of the ride. Okay. So uh, if you go down the right track, you get a different story, and if you go down the left track, you oh, that's get a cool. different story. That's fun. Yeah. That's a good idea. I'm all for it. Interesting. Yeah, that's just such a weird... Just a weird thing to me. <laughs> just like, do you like Wind of the Widows? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, how about we have them go to hell? And like, we really do up... Like, if here's what this fi- feels like to me. Yeah. There was something else they, they built... Like, it was based on maybe an old cartoon okay. that took place in hell. Because yeah. there was enough of those that were, like, di- old Disney cartoons that had, like, little hell scenes. And, like, we got the hell scene. <sighs> Let's just end it with the hell scene because we got yeah. no ending for this thing. Sure. And so they all go to hell. Okay, well, we got the hell things. Yeah, I know we got the hell things. And we can just turn up the heat. That's easy. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. So they turn up the heat and uh, all the kids are in hell. It's fine. It's pretty good. But the heated room was an, an addition from later in the 83, right? Yeah. That's when they added the, all that extra stuff to Yeah, it. I don't know if they had the heat in the 55 one. Let's see. Yeah, so, uh, okay. Yeah, all right. So, uh, they do get killed, I believe, by a train. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a sleepy railroad engineer. They break through a crossing gate. Uh, then they get hit by a train. Uh-huh. That's the original one. Yep. They collide with a loud crash. Darkness then gives way to a menacing demonic face with a gaping mouth 
that says the jaws of hell. Mm. Each kid, oh, kids love that. Sure. As guests are pass under the demon's sharp teeth, uh, the word welcome is written in flames. Uh, then they uh, they go to the underworld where they find themselves swerving around red hot stalagmites topped with miniature horn devils who laugh maniacally with with pitchforks. Uh, and then they go outside. And they're fine. Man, I don't remember that at all on the ride. It's funny. Yeah. I was there. I honestly was. I was honestly there. Yeah. They added a bunch of new stuff in 61. Hmm. Uh, but I don't think they uh, they did the heat thing. That's weird that they went. Uh, it's, that is weird that they went with like, you know what this should be? Hotter. Let's turn up the heat. <laughs> yeah. Let's make it feel really but the, like hell. But they closed the ride in 98. Oh. And it is it got replaced by uh, The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Well, maybe they, I've never been on it then. I thought I had been on that ride. No, I must, I must have gone on it when I went there in 91. I don't know. I can't remember now. It would be nice if Winnie the Pooh goes to hell for his gluttony. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if you're going yeah. through Winnie the Pooh, they are all the seven deadly sins. Mm. Yeah. What's that? Bouncing? Yeah. Boun- bouncing. Oh, there's... Okay. Well, what are, let's see. Let's go with the seven deadly sins are. Hold it. Sloth, gluttony, lust, envy. Right. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, gluttony is definitely uh, Winnie the Pooh, right? Okay. Okay. Uh, 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 I don't think you see much lust in Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, you're not seeing lust. I mean, Eeyore is bummed out all the time. It feels like that. There's something wrong with that, but he's not slothful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how? I mean, Tigger feels like he's a sinner. Uh, what's his <laughs> What's his deal? He's bouncing on his tail in a sexual way. Let's give him lust. <laughs> okay. Uh, how about and, you know, Rabbit's very greedy. Mm-hmm. He's very greedy with his stuff. Okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. You know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go uh, sloth for uh, for Eeyore. You know, he doesn't want to do anything. He's slothful. He says he's because he's uh, bummed out. But yeah, like, he's, he, let's do that. Is there anyone wrathful in uh, in Owl? Owl? Is he? I don't know. His <laughs> <laughs> name's envious. Maybe Piglet. A little envy there with Piglet. Who's? Pro- oh no 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 no. Pride is Tigger. Oh, okay. The wonderful thing about Tiggers is Tiggers are wonderful things. Yeah, yeah. The tops are made out of rubber. The bottoms are made out of springs. <laughs> He's prideful. He's very prideful. Right, okay. So I don't know who the lusty one is. I assume it's Christopher Robin. <laughs> Had his own issues. Though. Yeah, he's got his own issues. In yeah, there. we won't, won't yeah. go into it with that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Seven, uh, 100 Acre Woods are actually the seven deadly sins. <laughs> so they end up going to hell. Could you, uh, we could just you shoehorn that into almost anything? Hmm. The seven deadly sins. Well, what? Okay. All right. Yeah, they're supposed to be deplored. They're also connected somehow with the sins against the Holy Ghost. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. Yeah, they are. Uh, okay. Then they're just getting into eternal sin, which is also unforgivable sin, which is also unpardonable sin, which is also ultimate sin. You have a lot of got a lot of words for that. Mm-hmm. You know what? Maybe there's a sin of like using too many words for the same thing. Oh. Yeah, yeah. That's being gluttonous with your words. (laughs) Forget that, Uh, Dave. Yeah. Speaking of sinful things. Oh my God! I went and saw. Speaking of sinful things, I went and saw the movie Fire Firestarter. It's a movie. They made a made a they made did a remake. I thought it was a TV show, but it's a movie. It's eh? a movie. Yeah. Okay. So is uh, it a TV show that they're showing as a movie? I don't know. Is that what I saw? I don't know. It felt like a TV movie. Uh, It certainly felt like a TV movie. It was. No, you're probably right. It's probably. It was awful. Okay, now have you seen the Drew Barrymore uh, version? Yes, I have. Okay, and how does it compare to that? Okay, well, let me just say... You're right, it is a film remake. Let me just say, before I talk about Firestarter, that 
when I when I was a teenager, <laughs> I went through a big I went through a big Stephen King phase, which I think many 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 reading teenagers go through this phase. Okay. And uh, but one, I think I was like nineteen or so, and my mom wanted me to get rid of some. I didn't have a bookshelf in my room at that point, so I kept my books in a bookshelf in the family room. And so one day she said, "I want you to get rid of these books." Oh. And so it, there was a lot of like kind of a lot of pot boilers in there. There was some Robert Ludlum. There was some some Stephen King. And so I I like got rid of all those books, but I kept four Stephen King books. Okay. Because I maybe three. I think I kept three Stephen King books. That I had, I kept, I kept, um, I kept Firestarter, I kept The Dead Zone, and I kept Different Seasons because I liked uh, Rita Hayworth and The Shawshank Redemption so much. So I saved those three books, but the rest of them I just got rid of. And so I've always, I don't know why I like Firestarter so much. I just really enjoy the story, or I really okay. enjoyed the story. I've only read it once, so maybe if I read it now, I'd be like, what the hell did I see in this? But anyway, oh, I, can, I, can I just say that there was a uh, there was a sequel to the movie starring starring the Prodigy. I am Firestarter. No, okay. <laughs> very nice. Uh, no, it was 2002. They did uh, Firestarter Two Rekindled, <laughs> and it was a direct sequel to mm. the uh, to the film adaptation. It gets a new ebook, and so it, in the uh, when Alpha I saw the McDowell and Dennis Hopper were in. Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. that's no guarantee. All right. No, it is not. Uh, yeah. So when I saw, I saw the Drew Barrymore one with George C. Scott, of course, playing uh, Pat. A First Nations person. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. All right. Those were the days. Those were the days. My Those friend. were the days. But here, okay. So it's a, it's fine. It's a fine film. It's okay. It's a, it's an okay movie. It doesn't quite pack the emotional weight of the book. The book is very, the book is very much about uh, whatever his, the character's name. I can't remember George C. Scott's character's name is now. Rain something. Rain 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 dog or something. Rain, rain man. Not Rain Man. No, <laughs> it's a different movie you're thinking of. Uh, anyway, he, it's more about him trying to win her over. John Rainbird. Rainbird, that's right. Him trying to win her over. Uh, and it's kind of like, who will she, who will she be loyal to? Her dad or to, to this, to the, to Rainbird? And, 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 and it, it ends. It ends badly for someone. Okay. This movie, though. By the way, is it a supernatural story or is it like it's it's a psych it's a telekinetic movie like the, she has so powers. is it more uh, okay so is it more Harry Potter or is it more X Men it's more it's more uh, science fiction than it is okay hor- horror like it's not a, there's not a supernatural element there's not a magical element to it in the in the in the book and in the movie I can't remember the Drew Barrymore one but in this version and in in the, in the original book. The parents are part of a medical experiment. Like yes. They do, they're tested on as guinea pigs yeah. and they develop. And apparently what they thought was like something to, to test medicine, they, it turns out is to try to develop uh, telekinetic abilities in, in humans. And so they're part of those experiments. They do develop some latent abilities through these experiments. And then they give birth to a daughter who is incredibly powerfully telekinetic. Right. And she gives birth to the Def Leppard album, Pyromania. Exactly. There yes. And then... See, I made a move, uh, music reference. <laughs> did it's you? not all day, day. Did you? You mentioned Def Leppard. Rock I don't know if that counts as a musical on. reference. With the Pyromania. <laughs> so, uh, this movie, this movie, let me just say, I've never seen a cheaper movie in a theater. <laughs> I watch cheapo movies on television. I sure. watch Tubi. I watch yeah, low budget. Yeah, you will prove that shortly. Yeah, I watch low budget movies on Tubi all yeah, the time. You watch a Tubi, and uh, I, I find uh, them very charming. Yeah, uh, professionally. But this 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 movie, 
is people pay you so a Patreon uh, thing to watch movies on 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 Tubi. It's so cheap. It's so cheap, and uh, it starts Zac Efron. Yeah, who I, I know. I was just looking. I'm going like, oh, I recognize one person. He's he's bearded. Oh, okay. And I don't know if he's hiding some physical changes that come as you grow older. Might have had a mustache. Or if he's just a beard is a good way to hide a mustache. Or if he's just doing. <laughs> It's a good way. It does overwhelm the mustache. You're not, you don't judge it. Uh, or if he's just doing like a Bradley Cooper kind of thing where I'm so handsome, I'm going to hide yeah. behind a beard kind of thing that Bradley Cooper likes yeah. to do. You gotta, I'll go those guys up to yeah, get yeah, little, yeah, that's right. I don't know if that was his attention or whatever. But so in this movie, speaking of unforgivable acts. Okay. And, sorry, I'm going to say like uh, yeah. it was released theatrically, but also it's on Peacock. In the states, so oh, okay. it's both television and yeah. this might be why it looks so cheap. Yeah, yeah, it's on the cheap NBC network. I see, and movie theaters. Okay, okay, and yeah, it's it's a, but it's a Blumhouse production. It's re- produced by the people who do the Conjuring and, and yeah. movies that are very well made, like good looking films. Not and also Fantasy Island. Well, I'm not saying all their movies are great. I'm just right. saying they do do some movies that are like well made, you know, and like the movie like Annabelle and stuff like that. I'm not these aren't classics or anything they're just they're can we do a show without you going on about annabelle (laughs) those movies are you know garbage time but they look nice and they're well made this movie has nothing going for it like it looks like garbage it looks it looks like a tv show it looks like a tv show it has it features uh it features a, a soundtrack that is trying to recall the 80s. And actually, John Carpenter is credited, so they must have borrowed some music from John Carpenter for this movie. It is completely antithetical to the feeling of the story. You know, like the story is about a family trying to hide and keep away, you know, and, 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 but, and then all the time there's like this cold synthesizer music like pumping away in the background. You're just like, what? Why is that helping anything? And the acting is bottom drawer. <laughs> Possibly the bottom drawer has no bottom to it. It's okay. it's just the bottom's fallen out. No, like Zach Efron's fine. He's okay, yeah. but everyone else he's always all right. The the dot the 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 actress who plays the little girl is not good. The the wife who I don't even remember from the book. I don't remember the wife. I she there was a wife, but in the I th- as as I remember Firestarter the book. I, mean, I haven't read it since I was in high school, but as I remember in the book, um, Andy the the dad is on the run with with his daughter at the start of the book. That's how the book begins. They're on the run. And so you do get a bit of fill in the background, but you never see the mother in the book. In this film, the mother's there. Like she's, they're a family. They're hiding. Yeah. The girl's a bit of a weirdo because the family can't have Wi-Fi or cell phones and stuff like that because then the government will be able to track them, which is not how it works. That's not how it works No. It's just a way of getting rid of like something that's hard. It makes storytelling hard with your cell phones. And then... Well, it's a way of making it the 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 time period that the book was in, I guess. I guess, but it's not. It's it's current times. It's okay. not. It's not then. And then because they say, uh, you know, I'm sorry, we can't have Wi-Fi and stuff like that because we're on the. You know, they have to tell finally tell her what's happening. I guess. The, you know, listen, if it was just me and like your parents have telekinesis and tele- telepathy, yeah, I could say like, well, we can't have Wi-Fi because it interferes. Like, it's, <laughs> we got That'd be better. This, we got all this. That'd be better. Yeah, yeah, that'd be better. Do that way. No, no, they do because they're on the run and the government can trace them through their cell phones. And, and stuff I'm sorry like that. to interrupt, but uh, I just got to throw this bit of trivia out. Sure. Do you know who directed the original Firestarter movie? Uh, Toby Hooper? Nope. Who was it? It was Frank Capra Jr. Frank Capra Jr.? Yeah. Wow, that's weird. Yeah. 
And it ends with uh, them saying to uh, Drew Barrymore, you're the flamiest girl in town. <laughs> Every time a, a fire alarm rings, an yeah. angel gets its wings. That's right. Don't you see? It really is a fire starter life. <laughs> so... So like so she's so she's going to elementary school and she's got to hide her. So this is where we get the kind of Carrie connection to it, you know, because the, the all the kids make fun of her because she's a weirdo because she doesn't have doesn't have a home computer. And then uh, and and then uh, and then. By the way, could I ask? Are they just because I like knowing this now? Yeah. Are they realistic bullies? Is in there a little mean? Or are they uh, like DC Comics movies bullies? Where they're just so they're, brutally, and they're like coming out and like stabbing her with knives. Yeah, not 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 that level. It's okay. a little it's a little better than that. All right, yeah. okay. They're they're still like jerks, and you feel like it's for no reason. But when does bullying ever have a reason for it? Yeah, so. I just I'm sorry. I watched the first episode of Stranger Things. I, it was a little too harsh for me. Uh, but like they had bullies on there that was just like well, this is too much. This is too much. Why is no one not ta- doing anything and talking about stuff? Like this is too much. I don't remember that. It was like there was a there was a diorama that was there. Oh and like yeah, they, yeah, the trips, the yeah. person. I was like, oh, that's enough. And then the next person just like stomping on it. I was like, well, that's too much. And then they're kicking it, and then they're laughing at her, and then they're yeah, just yeah. pointing at her. Yeah. And it's just like no one in this school yeah. really. This is how it. Like, listen, man, I was bullied exactly like around this era. Yeah. This is still a bit too harsh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. For this, yeah. okay, but it's kind of carry level. Uh, okay. Bullying. All right. Yeah. So so then uh, so then we get a scene of John Rainbird, who is, is like, an actual First Nations person in this. In this film, is a Canadian. Yeah, it's a film in Canada, so it's uh, played by a guy named Michael Gray Eyes, I think. Oh, wouldn't it be great if it was like uh, uh, Campbell Scott or whatever playing it? Like I was thinking that too. I was going to say that we left. Why didn't they get Campbell Scott to play that role? I said that to the, the fam when we we're leaving. But anyway, um, so then and here's the thing: it's great that they got a First Nations guy. It's necessary that but they But why get... not get someone who can act? Mm. There are actors out there. There are lots. You know, there's First Nation actors that can there do are. it. Yeah. And I, I don't want to blame this actor because he had shit. He was given a plate of shit to, to hold out to us like it was a, right. a, a, aperitifs. But it wasn't. It was a plate of shit. And so, you know, I, sometimes you can unfairly blame the actors when they're given, like, the worst stuff to do. And, like, sure. no way can they make it work. Sure. And they've got, like, you know... 80 synthesizer music pumping behind them and they're trying to deliver, you know, meaningful lines. And it's like, what? Why? Who? This is, doesn't, guys. Anyway, so he's, he's a janitor. Mm-hmm. He's a janitor who's brought out of retirement. Because <laughs> there's a really bad vomit. To, fi- <laughs> to find this girl. No one else can get the sawdust on this like you. Because they're able to trace her. They're okay. able to trace her because she had, she had, she had an explosion in the toilet at school. Oh, who hasn't when, had when that? When she ran out of... She, <laughs> <laughs> she, she, know, it's tater tot. She day. lost control during a dodgeball game when she got hit by the ball. By, okay. She got hit in the back of the head by a boy. and Because uh, she did the classic thing where you hit someone with the ball, and then you stand there like, I got someone. Hooray for me. My moment of... <laughs> <Ta-tang>. <laughs> Which, you know, really, she deserved it. She wasn't playing dodge. She was just standing there. Right. Come on. Keep your head in the game. But anyway, so she runs to the bathroom where she explodes the toilet, and then this agency is able to tra- <laughs> able to track her down. Right, because they got by the heat. They got all the toilets uh, on. <laughs> they have all the a toilets checked out, and they and they they follow the heat source. Sure, sure, sure. And they're like, "Oh, this is a suspicious heat heat source." So someone someone blew up in the bathroom. 
Wow. So I they, feel bad that they're like uh, tracking elementary school <laughs> bathrooms for heat sources. I don't feel good for the kids. So then, <laughs> so then that's embarrassing. So then, uh, Grey Eyes, not Grey Eyes, uh, Rain, Rainbird is sent to, to get her. Is that his name? Rainbird? Sounds about right. John Rainbird, uh, is sent to go yeah, get her. John Rainbird. And so then, uh, he kills the mom for no reason. Rainbird does? Yeah. For no reason. There's no reason to kill her. Okay. But he just kills her. So he's the villain. Yeah. Okay. That's. I mean, he's in the he's in the original one too. All he's right. a villain. He's a villain. And then, uh, and so now they've been found out. So they got to go on the run. So you got to f- forget about mom. We got to go. Get in the car. Let's get out of here. So this is just dad. Yeah, it's just dad. Okay, dad. All right. So then. <laughs> By the way, was mom telekinetic? Yeah, she or uh, telepathic. She, she could make objects move. Okay, so she did not read the guy's mind and just go, "Hey, you're going to kill me," and then kill. She kind of right. sensed that something was up. But I guess he has psychic powers too. Okay. So he can kind of block your psychic powers, I guess. So she, okay. So she's got basically Carrie's powers, but she couldn't, she didn't. She was checking stuff around, but he. She wasn't doing a good he job. He wasn't she doing a good job. He doing. didn't have a lot of, she didn't have a lot of weapons to use. Let's be, to be fair to her, she didn't have a crucifix to throw around the room. Okay. It was mostly family photos on the wall. Yeah. Not that much. Classic so, mistake. <laughs> more, more crucifixes in your house. So then, uh, or, you know, access the, the cutlery drawer. But she didn't. She was throwing family yeah. pictures around. So then, uh, so they're on the run. And then there's a scene where, like, he's sleeping in the car. And little girl, little fire starter, little fire starter with the apostrophe after the second We, we fire starter. <laughs> we, we fire. She is, like, standing in the parking lot. And then a cat comes along. And she's painting the cat. And then it scratches her. And then she burns the cat. Well, that, that's the end of that. That's right. Where do you go from there? Yeah, it's like that classic Hollywood book on screenwriting, Burn the Cat. <laughs> burn the cat. <laughs> when do you burn the cat? That's the second act. That's part of your second act structure. There's a, there's a website that uh, my friend uh, directed me to that's called Does the Dog Live? And it okay. basically, like, you can, before you go see a movie, if you're like, wait a minute, let's just see if the dog lives. Because, you know, you don't want to watch a movie where the dog dies. So I'm sure there's one that's like about yeah. cats as well. So that would have been a pass for me. Okay. Really, you wouldn't watch a movie where a dog dies? Um, you know, if the whole thing is like a well, I, more cats. I don't okay. like seeing that's my that's my uh, uh, what's a train spotting baby? Okay. <laughs> so, there was a scene. Yeah, there was a scene in like yeah. uh, Ben. You know, the Chris Crispin Glover uh, version of Ben, mm, mm. where something bad happens to a cat, and I'm just done, done. Now fuck it, fuck this movie. <laughs> I'm out. Done. So don't need this. People, it's okay. If cats, no. Nope. Um, yeah, I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. It depends on the situation. Like, I, I don't know the scene, so I can't. Like, I'm not opposed to it. I don't, like, it's not something that I would be like, no movie can have it, but. No, no, you can if do it. Feels, it. If it feels. I just don't want to be there for it. Mm. Like, enjoy it, rest of everyone who's <laughs> fine with this. I'm cool. There's certain things that, yeah, they're yeah. just like, eh, no thanks. Huh. Done. So, so yeah, so then, but then. Zach Efron's character, Andy, comes over and he's like, well, the cat's still alive, so you have to finish it off. So then he makes her, like, burn the cat more to, f- to kill the cat. And you're just like, what are you telling us? What are you teaching us, movie? Yeah, because dad can't snap this, a neck. This isn't from the book. Like, here you go. Pick, snap. No, no. Jump. She has to learn. To what? To control her powers. That's not controlling your powers. She has to learn to control her powers. That's not controlling your powers. Hey. I don't, write, your I don't write the controlling your powers controlling rule your book. Controlling your powers would actually be the what she did, which is like, you know, at some point you may have to fight a guy. Yeah. And like, you're going to fight this guy. Now, you don't want to kill him. Yeah. But you got to stop him. Yeah. So you got to burn him enough 
that he stopped him. No, this cat but was. You haven't, this cat wasn't going to re- recover. I understand. Yeah, but like, so it's not control your powers because then you just let loose with your powers, <laughs> yes. and yeah. now the cat's burning. But like, yeah. what you got to do now is, yeah, sorry, but snap the cat's neck. You got to do something that'll yeah. like uh, put yeah. it out of its misery real fast. Yeah. Not have a discussion about it, you <laughs> son of a bitch. So, so yeah. So now you're just kind of like, okay, well, the one guy killed the mom, and then the girls killed a cat. Right. Where am I? Where am I standing with these characters? I don't know, but I say you got to put that cat in the cat cemetery. That's all you got to do. Then uh, in the book, there's a scene where they meet up with this guy named Irv, who's uh, and kind of acts as like in the in the book. I, I don't remember him doing this but in the movie in this movie he calls the police to the to the to the house okay because he sees some report on on tv about this andy guy being on the run for murdering his wife now if you're a secret government agency all right looking for a guy who has psychic powers (laughs) with a daughter with incredible telekinetic abilities i don't think you want to advertise him on the television as being like you know i mean i think you keep that on the down low like you're not gonna have that like you want this you know, like you don't want the public like chasing after a guy that you want to take him alive, or right. or have the public ang- angry at him and trying to get him, and then all the police forces out looking for him as well. And then you Perfect find out us. that the cat was a secret agent. Mm. It's actually with the government. Well, that's fine then. Just wearing yeah. a, a, a wire. Now, again, I yeah. don't know what happens in the movie, but I'm going to ask you a question. Sure. Is the government's plan? Mm. Well, the government's plan always is in this situation. Yeah. Which is just like uh, they're going to surprise her and her dad. Yeah. Uh, and surround them. Yeah. And they're going to aim guns at them. Okay. Which are useless. They're going to aim guns at them. Yeah. And then uh, everyone gets caught on fire because uh, dum-dums, there's powers. It's like they're going to do the stupid X-Men 2 thing of just like, we're going to surround, by the way, a guy with flame powers. Yeah. Anyway, so we're already dealing with that. So flame power guy, uh, surround him, and then we're all going to have our asses kicked because we're dumb. Uh, government agents well, sure. that did not it, plan for it could go that way. the situation at all. It could go that way. So the police show up, and it could go that way. Mm-hmm. Or you could have John Rainbird in a field nearby kill them all with a high-powered sniper rifle. Okay, that's fine. For no reason. Once again, no reason. All right, by the way. Yep. So say I want to bring down Firestarter and her dad, who mm-hmm. is uh, uh, telekinetic or telepathic. He's Yes, he can. he can make you do things against your will. He can make you do things against you. And there's no way or of putting you. on... You can't put on a Magneto helmet and uh, block him in any way. Uh, they do in this film. It's not in the original book, but they do. They got that? They got a Magneto helmet? They have, not a Magneto helmet. They have these uh, contact lenses they put in their eyes that keep them from being able to... being. Because uh, I guess he has to look in your eyes to, okay. to do Is the there push. A ra- I, I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions then, okay. please. I do want to get the rest of the plot. Sure, sure. Yeah. But I just want to... Plot? Yeah. I, I, I want to go with what I would go with if I'm a government agent and I have to bring these people down. Also, by the way, if you're government agents and you have to bring mutants down, this is what I'm going to suggest to you. Um... So, is it, has he got a range issue on this, or can he like take over your mind from like? No, he, blocks, has, to be, he, has, to, he has to be able to see you. Yeah, he has to be able to. He see has to be able you. to look look in your eyes and. Oh, he does. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's here's the situation then. Yeah, <laughs> done. Here's what you're gonna do. Oh, by the way, does yeah. Firestarter have range issues? With what? Like, uh, she sees a plane in the sky. Can she set the plane on fire? Not at this point. Good. So here's what I'm going to suggest. A bomb? Not a bomb. <laughs> like, you, if you want to kill them, yes. Yeah, but we want to kill them. We want to study her. Right? And you we know what? Technically, t- I'm yeah. going to say probably yeah. 
Uh, the bomb might not kill Firestarter because she may have some flame proofing. Yeah, that's true. That's considerable. Yeah. You know, or, uh, you drop the bomb and the, uh, the guy goes, mm, with his brain and now pushes. Oh, no, he's, oh, he's, got, he's just, he can do like. Yeah. No, you're right. It would kill them. Yeah. Okay, fine. Here's what you, here's what you want to do. <laughs> yeah. You drop yourself a couple of flashbang grenades. Okay. That's your thing. You want flashbang grenades. So they can't concentrate. I see. And that's when you get them. Because mm. like if the guy can't concentrate, he can't possess you. Yeah. And she can't concentrate. She can't set you on fire. That's the shit to do. Yeah. Don't like aim your guns at, once again, Wolverine <laughs> and all these other people. Because like, yeah, you're going to get your fucking ass kicked. Yeah. Bad move. Grenade. Boom. Flashbang. Boom. Distraction. Now we're fine. Done, done, done. Maybe not Wolverine. So, uh... But please continue. Rainbird kills all the police. And uh, then he shoots Irv in the leg. Okay. And then Andy is uh, tells his daughter to run. And so she's running across the field, which, okay. you know, if he if he if Rainbird had to, he could easily shoot her. She's an easy target. But Does Rainbird want her dead? No, he's his instructions are to bring her in alive. Oh, okay. So but Andy is trying to like he uh, pushes on Rainbird, or what what they call the push so that she he can't see her like she kind of she disappears from from his sight okay but so in the book and in the movie andy's powers come with a at a cost like he gets incredible migraines and sure. he'll he'll bleed from the eyes and stuff like yeah, that yeah. while he's trying to do it of course so they leave out the migraines entirely in the film like he doesn't get migraines but he bleeds from the eyes but they're like in order to make us realize how much effort he's doing he's like has so much blood pouring out of his eyes it just it looks hilarious rather than like Ooh, how dramatic. Yeah, he's like, going to pass out. What is going on here? Like, he looks like uh, some lady who had, like, waterproof, like, non-waterproof mascara caught in a rain shower. Yeah, it would you know? be funny if like he had, like, two hoses of, of blood down. just yeah, shooting just out like of his it eyes. Should have been. It's pretty much, like, Black Knight level of blood pouring down his face. Nice. And, and then uh, Rainbird is like, well, we didn't get the girl, but that's fine. We have her dad. And, of course, the agency's like, what? What? We wanted you to get the girl. He goes, no, I got the dad. The girl will come get him. So then you'll have her. Good enough. The My girl job. will come and get him. Yeah, yeah. The little girl yeah. will track down the dad. Yeah. That's, yeah, sure. So That's then, her powers. So they leave out entirely the entire, like, thing where, like, Rainbird befriends her and blah, blah, all that kind of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And... By the way, you put, a, you put uh, like, um, uh, you put, like, a blindfold on that guy. Is, is that the end of him? Like, Andy? Power-wise, yeah. Because yeah. he has to make eye contact with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Not to be uh, gruesome. Yeah. You just... Poke his eyes out? Sure. If that's what you want to do. Uh, you want to keep him, though, to use him for, for stuff. And you need, you need, you need, All right. So put, uh, blindfold him. Okay. And you need the bait because you don't want. Yeah. And you got to keep him keep him in a dark room. <laughs> dark room. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. So then. Oh, I don't know if a dark room would be good enough. Why is that? I don't think he, like, I don't think he has to li- literally look in your eyes. I, I don't maybe he does. I can't remember now. All right. So um, so he's, can, he's captured. Then Rainbird gets arrested by the agency, of course. So they're going to throw him in jail. That's his reward for uh, for his hard work. Wow. And I guess because he let the girl go. And so the, he's in pr- prison. Betrayal. And he's there at this place. And so then this girl sneaks into the facility and just has the easiest time of it of all time. It's just like basically she walks into the place, yeah. lights people on fire. Uh. As she goes, you know, people here, fire there, fire, throw some people around. Because she also ha- Wait, she has. She's throwing people around. She has psychic. She has all her parents. She has both her parents. Oh, she can read powers. minds too. She can read her minds. She can. She can. Uh, she got the whole. Package. Yeah, she's got the whole package. Yeah, she's much more, much more uh, dangerous. Ah, than. all right. And 
So then she finds her dad, who's now the, the evil lady agent who's running the whole thing. She's like hiding behind her dad. And she's like, well, you can't light me on fire because you'll kill your dad, blah, blah, blah. So then her dad's final act is to make his daughter light him on fire. So that kills the lady. Yeah. Okay. Like he pushes on, pushes her. And, okay. And she, then she lights him on fire. And then, but she doesn't kill Rainbird. And they leave hand in hand at the end of the movie. Like he's going to, he's going to become her, like her new, new Which dad. Which is not what they do in the other movie. Not what they do in the other movie. How not about the book. And not what they should do in this book where he killed her mom. And how, what are you supposed to say at the end of the movie? Like, well, the girl who kills cats and the guy who killed the, killed a woman. Yeah, are we supposed to be like sympathizing with the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're supposed to be like, we oh, are? yeah. <laughs> why exactly they 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 don't there's no reason to like they don't in okay. any way like the movie is so incoherent clear, yeah i was never clear with carrie where i'm like uh is this supposed to be we're supposed to be like down with carrie like we're she's good no i think it's i think it's supposed to be ambivalent we're ambivalent i think we're supposed to be well, ambivalent that's what i want carrie. from a movie i want to feel ambivalent at the end like eh? yeah no because the yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i think that's what i think that's what they i think that's what De Palma wanted it was kind of a feeling of like you know is she good is she bad like it's hard you know I mean her mom messed her up her mom messed her up but you know what she high school's hard student killed her did she knew does she know she was killing people or was she just kind of possessed by a force like mm, man. yeah it's hard to know it's hard to know yeah it's certainly dangerous I mean these people were throwing tampons at her at the beginning of the movie <laughs> so they deserve to die and she never kills a cat well they do kill a her her boyfriend on stage with a bucket of blood. William Cat's character is killed. Oh, that's right. They do kill William Cat. Yeah. That is the cat. Yeah, that's the cat. <laughs> Damn it, you're right. When you're right, you're right. They killed the cat. Does a cat die in every one of Stephen King's movies or nothing? Yeah, Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. All of them. You're right. Every one of Stephen King's things, uh, a cat is killed. <laughs> not in not in Firestarter. That was added by the filmmaker. You're thinking like Stand by Me. Brilliant. Yeah, that was that's uh, the body they were that was uh, Philip Katz. Uh, <laughs> the guy, the body was uh, Philip Katz. I'm trying to remember who the body was in uh, in in Stand by Me, or was that ever revealed? Thought, I don't think it's revealed. I think it's just the MacGuffin of the oh, story. Damn, that's actually it's not a, a bad engine. idea. That's a really oh fuck, man, that is a good idea for a Stephen King story. It's like you do a Stephen King story that just ends with a person like dying. And you're just like, oh, what was this about? And then all of a sudden, those kids find him. He's like, oh, this was Stand By Me. It was a prequel to Stand By Me. Oh, that's neat. Okay. All right, all right, all uh, right. Don't give him any more ideas. Well, I mean, he's already got whatever, the Dark Tower. where They're all freaking connected, it feels like. so. Well, that is. But that's a different world than... Because those are not written as Stephen King books. Those are Richard Bachman books, right? The but Dark Tower but books? the Shining books connect with the, the Dark Castle. Oh, books. do they? The Dark yeah. Tower? Oh, really? Or the Shining books. The sh- the book The Shining connects. Oh, with is that it. right? Yeah. Oh wait, there is Shining books. There's Doctor Sleep. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there's Shining books. Yeah, the, yes. the two books. Yeah. Someone has the Shining ability in Doctor Sleep. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. And do they reference the Shining? They call it the Shining. I see. Well, yeah. And that's okay. not a, that's not a phrase anyone no, uses. No, that's Stephen King. Yeah. 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 In fact, in the wait a minute, Firestarter, she's got the Shining, right? Mm, no, that's no. not a Shining. She's got no, because they can't they. The Shining is just the ability to see, like, the future, I guess, right? It's not a, it's not like, you don't have, like, the power to, like... You get, you see ghosts as well. I guess, I guess. Looking up what The Shining is. But in, but in the book, The Shining, the, the Shining is the name that, that, the, that, um, I can't remember the character's name now, the, 
uh, the caretaker who not the caretaker the the guy you know like the one played by um yeah Scatman Crothers. by Scatman Crothers yeah his mother that was a, a word a name that his mother used right the shining it's not like an idea that it's universally a used term in, in the book it's either. a psychic ability that allows people to communicate with others using the mind gives people the ability to see what happened in the past present or will happen in the future okay that's on this Grady you were thinking about uh, but That's the caretaker. No, I they don't mention of... here that it can see ghosts. Yeah, Dick, Dick Helleran is the. Uh, Unless of course the that's not okay. Unless mm-hmm. the thing is, uh, you don't need The Shining to see ghosts in The Shining because ghosts just show up because ghosts ghosts show themselves to Jack. Jack may have a bit of The Shining because his son has it as well, so okay. it may be preying on that ability because Does... the mother never. Although when the, it gets super powerful near the end of the. Near the end of the movie, uh, Shelley Duvall's character can see them as well, but that's because it's becoming so overwhelmingly right. But powerful you don't necessarily that it's need starting the to, to yeah, yeah, see the things. Okay, very good. All right, but, but I don't like uh, you know the problem for talking about Stephen King books for me is like oh, I went through my Stephen King phase when I was in grade eight, grade eight to grade eleven. You know, so it's been a long time since I read a Stephen King book. Okay, uh, so the person who has yes, okay. Charlie McGee does have The Shining. Who's Charlie McGee? Charlie McGee is Firestarter. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. She does have The Shining. Okay. In the Stephen King u- universe. Yeah, they go the the third... Uh, according to Stephen King... Her name's Charlie. I forgot that. The 13 most powerful characters that can shine. Okay. Yeah, you got uh, you got them there. And uh, the number... Oh, geez. Wait a second. Here we go. All right. Uh, let's see if I... Uh, get... Yeah, okay. So I'm trying to see if the, what order this, this is in. Uh, yeah, I think this is from least to most shine. I see. All right. So, uh, Jesse Burling, uh, game in Gerald's game. Uh, she's, uh, she doesn't have, uh, pyro, pyrokinesis. Uh, but she does, in the book, she does commune with characters while she's, yeah. It could be hallucinations as well. Members right? of the Losers Club in It, uh, have the, some shining. Okay. Uh, the next up in the shining, uh, ability, Dick Halloran. Okay. Uh, then uh, Roland uh, Deschain in The Dark Tower. I see. Uh, then Johnny Smith. Johnny from, Smith from The Dead Zone. From The Dead Zone. My first you're, favorite Stephen King. You're movie. right. And now my computer has jammed up. Uh-oh. Telling me. Oh, wait. Here we go. <laughs> telling me, stop it. Uh, <laughs> then uh, it's Mother Abigail from. Uh, that would be from Dr. Sleep, maybe? From The Stand. Oh, The Stand. Oh, Mother Abigail. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Then Rose the Hat. From Dr. Sleep. That's right. Then uh, Front Half. Don't know. Uh, from the Institute. Not, not ready. Then it's Charlie McGee. Okay. Then John Coffey. John Coffey? From? Give me a hint. Green Mile. That's okay, I've never, never read it. Then, or seen it. Then Danny. Okay. Uh, and then uh, Abra Stone. Amber Stone? Abra. Abra Stone? Dr. Sleep. Oh, for Dr. Sleep. Yes, she's very powerful, yes. And then finally, the one with the most shining is who? I do not know. That would be Carrie White from Carrie. Oh, Carrie. Yeah. Huh. And that's everyone. Shine on you, crazy diamonds. <laughs> or yes, I guess. I guess you could retroactively apply those to like Carrie. You got a whole lot of shine. Yep, there you are. Okay, so we've learned uh, a lot about the shine. So your recommendation is uh, run, don't walk to this to the theater. Yeah, and, go, uh, see, see the it. Northman. Northman's well worth seeing. I thought that was a lot of fun. Enjoyed it. I mean, as much fun as you can have in a grueling, you know, Viking fest. Uh, but it was a good film. Yeah, I had a dumb uh, argument with someone. Better than the lighthouse. 
Okay. I had a dumb argument with someone who was uh, who was saying that uh, uh, social justice warriors ruined uh, uh, that movie. Uh, ruined the Northmen? Yeah. It was uh, because they were complaining that uh, uh, the cast was uh, all white. And it was like, and that's why the film didn't succeed. And it was like, that's why the film didn't succeed? Your uh, your your Viking version of Hamlet? Your art house Viking version yeah, of yeah. Hamlet? Yeah, yeah, it's an art house movie. I don't... Yeah, that was, was like... expecting like, like a big Like, money honest maker? to God, man, that was a long shot from, from get-go. It was like, yeah. you know, but a couple of people just went, hey, there's too many uh, white people in this. Yeah. So, it was like, that That was what did it. It's like, no, you're right. So, social justice warriors yeah. are ruining film. I guess that's why the Green Knight failed, is it was too woke. Yeah, wickety wickety woke. <laughs> you know, first of all, people love to go see Hamlet. Secondly, they love Viking movies. If if you can it's combine not, a Viking, it's not really Hamlet. No, no, it is. It's a it's the loose story. That, listen, yeah, also, Lion King story. isn't Hamlet either, but you know it's Hamlet. You know what's interesting is uh, nothing to the movie, but it was funny. Like when Mary and I were leaving. Uh, by the way, I've just got to take this spam call. Okay, sure. Yeah. Oops. Right, here we go. Yeah, oh, you- no. <laughs> Hello. Okay, we'll get that later on. Please continue. Um, when we were leaving, we were talking about the film and, and she was, and she was talking about like the more, uh, legendary elements of it or the more kind of, um, mystical, el- supernatural elements of it as being like the character's imaginations. And I was like, oh, that's so funny that you see it that way. Whereas I saw them as like part of the story, like they're mm. integral to the story because we're watching a legendary story, which is going to have like elements of, of fantasy sure. as well as historical parts to it that have been melded together into one tale over the years of telling you know and so i i regard them as all integrated into the story not as things that like oh they imagined they were doing that no no that really did happen Uh, you know those are really real parts of the story you know because we're watching a legendary story you know when he gets the night sword uh and part of the film it's it does it in two different ways how he gets it one is very prosaic and one is very fantastical and they're both real to me they're not not one or the other is the real answer, and I just thought that was interesting how she approached it. Where I was from a different, came from a different so, point. So sorry, this film is called The Norseman. Northman. Northman, right? Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Nor- it autocorrected to The Norseman, and then this uh, Charles B. Pierce movie came up with Lee Majors as the lead as The Norseman, <laughs> and it was like, what the hell is this? This is no, but yeah, The Northman. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. But by the way, everybody, if you get a chance, also see The Norseman. Uh, wow. I anyway, don't, I don't know if I can recommend it. I have not seen it. It is a Fawcett Majors production. Oh, okay. So Fair Fawcett also threw in a couple of bucks to this. So. <laughs> he really wanted to make it. Yep. Hmm. And uh, once again, please, please, social justice warriors, stop ruining the, Nor- uh, the Northman. Northman. Uh, and the Norseman. Um, so is it is it time for to be? Sure, sure. Let's go. It to is time for to be. It's to be, to be time, <laughs> to be as honest as I could be. It's to be, to be time, to be time. Oh, no. What? My what? Turn what? To, my What's <laughs> happening, David? <laughs> the bottles are flying. Strike! <laughs> uh, hey, let's start. Let's time to talk a little bit of Dork Shadows. Let me take off my glasses. So I like to take off my glasses to read so I can hold the book. By the way, right I really up to my want face. to see the Norseman now. Anyway. Oh, do you? Yeah. All right. I would it's probably the Northman's probably better, but whatever. Uh, okay. Folks, I don't know if you remember last episode, last Dark Shadows, we had Rachel hiding out in the secret room in the mausoleum. It's the family secret that everyone knows. <laughs> 
the uh, the secret door to the ma- the secret door in the mausoleum. But Tim comes. She thinks to give him money to help her escape. Okay. The, escape Trask, the Reverend Trask, who wants to bring her back to Worthington Hall, the cruel school that she escaped from as a teenager. Uh, but I ne- wish I'd gone to cruel school. I have some cruel school, but I yeah. didn't get my degree. From you didn't get your school. degree from cruel school. No. <laughs> um, you got it from cool school. Yeah. I went to the School of Hard Knocks. Yes. And then worked my way up to Cool School. <laughs> Good for you. And then it was like, do you want to go to Cruel School? Yeah. It's a lot harder. Yeah. Like, All right. And you didn't go. You no. decided not to go? Don't blame me. <laughs> Sorry, now I'm thinking of like a, a Snoopy character called Joe Cruel. It's <laughs> like Joe Cruel, but like it's really mean. It just bites yeah. people. Okay. Anyway, I'm getting a little squirrely. Please continue. Sure. All right. So, Tim comes. Do you think with money to help her out? But no. Oh. He has betrayed her and brought Trask. Fucking Trask betrayal. is there. So despite betraying Rachel, Tim attempts to save her from Trask. He's like, leave her alone. And you're like, <laughs> you brought him. Leave her alone. And But Trask is like, leave her alone. You brought me here. You can't like turn around and try to defend her. Get out of here. So he kicks out Tim. Tim leaves. Okay. And then Trask tries to convince Rachel to return. So, of course, his usual bullying where he's convincing her that, you know, she's, she was, a, a, you know, a beautiful young girl and so pure and lovely. And then she, she stained herself by leaving the school, mm. murdering his wife's, his wife's brother. Classic mistake. Cla- classic mistake. But he also gets really kind of sexual with her as well. Like that oh. he's... You know, he's revealing like more feelings than just than just for her the good of her soul. It's also oh. for the good of his soul. Yeah. If oh. you know what I mean. Wink oh, wink. It's also a soap opera, so we need a little of that. Yes. Throw a little spice on this chicken. Uh but he does the usual thing, which is to hold the, the, the police over her head. Uh-huh. If you you can come back to the worthy you have a choice. It's real easy. You yeah. don't have to come back to the school if you don't want to, but if you don't want to come back to the school I gotta let the police know that yeah. you murdered a man. It's classic. It, you know what? They didn't have negging back then, so you had to have. <laughs> you, had. you know, I'm gonna call the cops. Sure, fair enough. Yeah. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. <laughs> meanwhile, Laura casts a spell. So this will be able to remember. Laura is, of course, the mother of Nora and Jameson. Laura's the mother of Nora. The and Mora. <laughs> Laura's the mother of Nora, Mora, and Glora. Yeah. And um, of course, Edward's wife. She is. Right now, casting a spell over some lit candles, she's calling her daughter Nora to return to her. Okay. In a trance, Nora comes down. So Nora, of course, is at the the Worthington Hall with her brother right now. That's where they've been taken to. So she's not at home. She's going down to the fireplace of the school. She goes, comes down the stairs to a fireplace, and she she comes upset that she can't see her mother's face. She can hear her mother's voice calling her into the fire. Her mother's telling her, "Come into the fire, Nora. Come to your mother." And then uh, suddenly Nora can see her as she gets closer to the fire. And her, Laura calls her on into the raging fire. Suddenly Tim Shaw appears, uh, breaking the spell and keeping Nora from, I guess, walking into the fire. Sure. And suddenly Laura's candles go out. They just, the, they, the flames are snuffed. Yep. And then Trask and Rachel arrive in the room. And, of course, Trask is upset that Nora's not in her room because he's a very strict schoolmaster, we've, we've established. Right. Nora believes her mother sent... So this is the first time that Nora has seen Rachel. Oh, okay. Since since she came to Worthington yeah. Hall. So she yeah. thinks that her mother has sent Rachel to bring her home. And oh, that makes sense. Rachel's like, no, actually, I'm getting blackmailed by this guy behind me into 
becoming a teacher here. What do you think of that? What do you think of I'm a teacher here? And Nora's like, yay, you're a teacher here. And then uh, Trask then takes Nora upstairs to punish her for being out of bed. And his punishment is that he's going to make her pray for forgiveness. And Rachel's like, I don't think you should make punishment a prayer. He goes, oh, no, this isn't the punishment. The punishment comes later. This is uh, for the good of her soul. <sighs> okay. Uh, Tim explains his actions to Rachel. You know, he says, listen, Trask has both of us in his, you know, you know, if I, if I hadn't done it, he was going to get you sent to jail. So I felt like I had to, like, bring him to you to stop that from happening. Jail seems safe. Seems like a safe place to sure. be. There's not a lot of vampire attacks in There's jail. There's not a lot of vampire. Werewolves don't. There really are get some you. werewolf attacks at work. In jail? Yeah, there are some. Okay. It's a very small percentage. It's it's so statistically small they don't really talk about it, but it does happen. It's kind of like calories in food. If it's under five calories, yeah, you can say there are no calories. It's kind of the same thing <laughs> with werewolf attacks in prison. If there's under five a year. Yeah. Don't have to say they they happen. You round down. Yeah, you round down. Um. So yeah, uh, in a study. Trask is, uh, I guess he's put Rachel to bed. He comes to a study. He pulls some book down from the bookshelf and he begins to read it when suddenly there's a knock at the door. And I just want to point out that this episode has the first time that it's not the... Mm. Suddenly it's like five knocks. I don't know what happened. Inflation, I guess. There is a knock on the door. He opens it to find Laura Collins. Listen, guys, I don't know how close this the school... Like, it felt like the school was a long way from the house. When it first started mentioning the school, like I had some idea that they had to go to Boston in order to go to the school. Like there's a lot of talk about Boston, going to Boston and seeing the school, blah blah blah. Right. Suddenly, it's like within walking distance of Colin, like Collinwood. I don't know. I don't know how Laura showed up so fast, but anyway, or it's, Tim. None maybe, of them. Maybe Collinwood's one of those uh, Howl's Walking Castle type. <laughs> it's a moving castle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, she remarks on the uh, school's. Uh, Lack of servants. <laughs> She's like, I had to show myself in. What kind of school are you running here? He's like, Hey, get my own chafing. This dish. show has a this show has a budget. We cannot have like actors just showing you in to a room. That's a waste of money. She tells Trask that she has come to collect her children, and he refuses to release them to a stranger. How do I know you're Laura Collins? I've never seen you before. And she's like, Well, she uh, she scoffs at him and calls calls him dreary. If you're going to be a dreary little man about oh, this. That's the worst thing you can say. And he's like, what do you mean dreary? I, how do I know? I, I'm going to phone your husband and find out. And she's like, phone, fine, phone my husband. So he walks over to the phone and picks up a receiver and drops it because it's burning hot. Oh. And then uh, and then he's, I guess he's sort of embarrassed now. So then he denies Laura any right to see her children. I'm not even going to bother calling now. Forget it. I don't know who you are. Get out of here, lady. Yeah, knock it off. So, uh, so she realizes that, you know. At this moment, his word is final, so she withdraws. Meanwhile, Nora comes to Rachel. And while she has not seen her, Nora senses the presence of her mother at the school. And Rachel goes to Trask to ask her, ask him, sorry, if Laura is in the if Laura is in the house. But Trask is outraged at the impertinence that she would even come there to ask about this woman. As they talk, smoke begins to billow in from under the door. Oh, that's not good. It's not. Nora, still in Rachel's toaster. room. It could be the toaster. It often is. Check it. Check the toaster yeah, yeah. first. There could be a, a, the oven. some reggae guy there toasting while music is, yeah. music is playing. Open a crack a window. Just like yeah. really start, you know, get a nice big sheet and just like <laughs> sure, sure. get the smoke out. Uh, Nora, still in Rachel's uh, room or in the classroom downstairs, is surrounded by, uh, fl- by fire as the entire room is engulfed in flames. There's a lot of flames, a lot of special effect flames going on here. Some real, 
behind her. Some like a lot of chroma key flames yeah. kind of stuff going on. It's a real Nora, uh, Mr. Toad's wild ride. Nora calls for her mother. She's like, mother, come help me. Suddenly, Laura is standing in the room with her. Mm-hmm. Not in the fire part, but on the outside. And she's just kind of watching her, though, which is weird. Hmm. But Tim arrives, and he throws a blanket over himself and dashes into the burning room and carries Nora to safety. So i got to say, what a minch. Good on Tim. Yep. Sure. You know what? He betrayed he his been... longtime friend, got her, you know, yeah. locked up in the school again. That's why pencils have erasers. But this is a this is the act of a hero. You know where I could use that guy is in Firestarter. <laughs> a lot less people. You know that cat would still be alive if that guy was around. Maybe he would have put on a blanket, run in and save the uh, the cat. <clears throat> Outside of the school, he tells Laura that everyone got out safely, including Jameson. Now let's go back to our friend Quentin, who is visiting Magda at the old house. They uh, kind of do a little bit of catch up on the importance of Laura's Egyptian urn. That he thinks it holds some sort of secret that has some great power to it. Suddenly, Tim Shaw arrives with Nora and Laura. They explain that the that there was a fire at the school. Laura complains about fatigue and asks to lay down. Quentin watches her suspiciously. Because as you know, he saw her die. So he's a little unsure about her. He tells Magda to follow Laura wherever she goes. She will lead them to the urn. Quentin suspects that Laura is responsible for the fire as well. He's kind of giving her the old, huh, fire, you say? <laughs> huh, interesting. Huh, huh. Tim comes to speak with Laura. He is confused how she came to be in Rachel's room. He's like, I was in the hallway, and I didn't see you go past me. How did you get into that room? And she's like, oh, you know, so much was happening. I'm sure you probably just didn't notice me. But still, he's curious. Like, I would have think I would have noticed you walking past me. But Laura interrupts him to thank him for his bold actions. And says she's going to tell, she's going to phone Trask and give him and recommend, you know, tell tell Trask how much she appreciated what he did. After Tim leaves, an exhausted Laura leaves Collinwood. Nora sees her leave and follows. Magda sees all of this, but she does not follow. She doesn't feel like following them. Quentin is upset that she didn't follow, though. But Magda points out that a guileless Nora will tell them where her mother went when she returns. Okay. We cut to Laura. She's in the garden. She, and, you know, there's some like little, uh, there's like a, a plinth, like a decorative sundial on top of it. And Laura pulls on it and she pulls up the sundial part and reveals a cavity. And then she reaches in, down inside and pulls out the urn. And then she, uh, <clears throat> oh, sorry, while she's doing this, so she, she loses her bracelet. Oh, okay. Which is preposterous, by the way. Why is that? Because it's a full circle. Like, mm. if you're pulling on something with your hands... Your bracelet is not going to work off of your arm. Like, it doesn't work that way. It has to, like, come off of your hand. So she'd have to, like, pull it down over her hand in that kind of painful right. way that you do with bracelets that are That's solid. That's why Wonder Woman doesn't lose her bracelet all exactly. the time. Exactly. That's why she always has her little bands. That's right. Because if she did, someone would shoot her and then uh, she'd be dead. Yeah. Yeah. But no, she lost her bracelet. Ugh. Nora arrives and Laura shows her the urn and explains that it's important to her. Laura then asks that she be left alone. She says, I want to be alone. <laughs> After Nora leaves, Laura opens the lid of the urn, revealing the flame. Sorry, I have to sneeze. I apologize for sneezing. During your segment, please don't sneeze during mine. Okay, thank you. She prays over, she prays over the urn and kind of revives herself. Back at Collinwood, Nora is tricked by Magda into revealing where her mother went. Nora doesn't mention the urn, but that's enough for Quentin and Magda just to know where she was. Right. They go to the garden. 
and begin to search. And that's when Quentin notices Laura's bracelet laying on the ground near the plinth. He soon dislodges the sundial and finds the urn. Oh. Magda is unimpressed with it. She just calls it old junk and says, that no, has no value to it. He says, oh, no, this has the most value to it. This is very important. Prove it. <clears throat> the value is in its importance to Laura. He muses, he muses whether her death will come uh, immediately mm-hmm. or if she will just sort of fade and wither with time. And then he grabs a handful of salt, uh, sorry, sand, not salt, grabs a handful of sand from a nearby pl- planter and he snuffs out the flame. Sorry, I just have to turn page. And maybe Laura's life. Oh, okay. Laura is sitting in the drawing room at Collinwood. She is suddenly overcome by weakness. Judith enters, and she is concerned and wants to call the doctor. But but Laura says, no, no, I'm fine. And she sends Judith for tea. And then as soon as Judith leaves, she uh, Laura flees the house. Quentin arrives, but refuses to concern himself with Laura's problems. Judith like is like, Laura's really sick. She needs some help. Yeah. You know, you need to get a doctor. He's like, eh, she's fine. <laughs> I don't need to do anything. Meh. Uh, so then Judith calls a doctor. Um, sorry. Judith calls a doctor. And then, uh, uh, she, oh, yes. Judith calls a doctor and Quentin says, uh, you might as well call the undertaker. Oh. Under his breath. Yeah. Do you actually just call an undertaker? I don't think you do. I don't really know. I don't yeah, know I don't rule. Do. I don't know under, undertaker Yeah, rules. I think you call a funeral home. And yeah. then they talk to the undertaker, but eh, maybe they, maybe the guy runs the the funeral home is an undertaker. Probably more streamlined business in those days. Yeah, I wouldn't. There's not, less hierarchy. If someone said to me, "Hey, man, call an undertaker," I, I would have a hard time with that. <laughs> okay. So, um, uh, I mean, sorry. In the garden, Laura discovers that the indeed her urn is missing. Dirk Wilkins, who I haven't seen for a while, great name. He's the caretaker. God <laughs> damn, that's the best name. The caretaker comes upon her. And uh, Laura, of course, is feeling terrible because she's lost this, the regenerative power of this urn. And she presses herself against him because she's so cold, she says. Dirk is very made very nervous by this. He feels like, this is not very proper. No. I should have some woman pressing her body against me, as pleasant as that is. No, I was going to say, uh, we, as men, we do not like that. No, no, no. Ew. Yuck. Yeah. Girls. Blech. Yeah. Cooties. Gross. So then uh, he returns her to Collinwood, where Quentin who Judith then calls a hypocrite, insists on taking Laura upstairs. He oh. suddenly starts showing concern for her. And Judith you know where like, hypocrites belong. Where's upstairs. that? Upstairs. Upstairs, yes. As she, uh, I thought you were going to say hippodrome. As she lays <laughs> on the bed, weakened, she accuses Quentin of trying to kill her. His response is just to taunt her. And he reminds her that two days earlier, when he was, ha- when he was being killed by a beam of light coming mysteriously from nowhere, <laughs> she just left him to die in the cottage. Yeah, that's rude. Tit for tat, he says. Downstairs, Judith and Dirk briefly discuss Laura's condition. And so we learn that the doctor came and went, but he, the doctor did not know what ailed her. Laura, now alone in her room, prays to the fire for help. Dirk, who has come in from, the, from his rounds, is drawn to the fireplace in the drawing room. There he is possessed by a spirit conjured by Laura. He begins to intone strange words, but a lot of them involve raw the word raw okay so raw 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 yes he's very excited he's like you know nero kapatatana raw 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 rasputin leader of the russian dream or was it scheme <laughs> i can't remember now he was a cat who really was gone what then they killed him then they killed another cat oh no 
It's cats, cats dying oh, left and we gotta, right. We got to put like this a little culture, warning before this episode. This culture is a lot of cats uh, do not make it through our episode. Don't worry, they have nine lives. Oh, that's true. They're fine. That would be great, by the way. Sorry, mm. just to go back briefly yeah. back to Firestarter. It's like you know, uh, she kills the cat, yeah. and then the cat just comes right back to life and just goes nine lives, motherfucker, and then just walks off, <laughs> flips the bird with a little paws. <laughs> Fuck you, Shining. Hey, Shining number seven, fuck you. <laughs> Guess who's got Shining number two? Uh, the cats from Pet Cemetery. That's me. <laughs> fuck off. And then off it goes. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> that movie needed that. Uh, so in her bedroom, Laura is laying on the floor unconscious. Dirk enters, and he picks her up and lays her on the bed, though he knows he should leave. Cause so he does. This is not proper. This is a woman's, this is a lady's bedroom. And so he leaves. You know, he can't be in here just randomly killing a cat. <laughs> but he can't bring himself to leave. Uh, classic mistake. Laura tells him that only he can save her. She begs him to use his power and not to let her die. That's the end of that episode, by the way. Okay. The chalk. The chalk. The chalk climbs three. The clock chimes three. Three in the morning, that oh, is. Oh, sorry. Bong, bong. You smoke up with a bong. <laughs> Meow. There is a knock. At the door. There's a lot of cats around. <laughs> uh, Quentin answers to find Jameson and Charity Trask. Charity Trask, of course, being the daughter of the Reverend Trask. We all remember when we saw her last time when Barnabas bit her on the neck. Right. He's a real pain in the neck. <laughs> uh, and pretty bitter. Oh, cats. Not liking my jokes. <laughs> pretty bitter. <laughs> oh, that's good. All right. Let me just turn the page. Yeah. Uh, Jameson is concerned. He's dreamt that his mother is ill. Little, little does he know. But Quentin insists that, no, no, your mother's fine. And he said, you should go get some tea. This is three in the morning. And Jameson's like, isn't it kind of late to have tea? He's like, I just wake someone up. You're the master of the house. You can boss him around. Quentin's like, oh, oh yeah. And, he puts with, and then he runs through the wall. <laughs> uh, what did I write here? Uh, with Jameson gone. Quentin confesses that Laura is actually very ill to Charity Trask, perhaps even dead, she says. He's kind of flirting with her and saying a lot of things. And then he says, perhaps even dead. And then Laura laughs and comes down the stairs. She's like, oh, you wish, you wish, Quentin. And then Jameson comes out and is so very happy to see her. She and Jameson go into the drawing room to talk, closing the doors in Quentin's face. So Quentin's a little angry and he kind of turns on Charity. He's like, you picked a fine time to show up. But she is lost in thought. Mm. She's staring at the portrait of Barnabas Collins. Speaking of Barnabas. Oh, good. He is sitting at his desk writing when there is a knock at the door. And believe me, everyone, this is not the three knocks. This is like five knocks. Uh, he opens the door to reveal Charity. She is happy that the fire has given her the, an excuse to visit her beloved Barnabas. And uh, we come back to Dick, Dirk and Laura. <laughs> They're kneeling in front of the fire in her room, uh, in, you know, intoning something like, uh, you know, saying uh, they're b- basically casting a spell together. And then in the fireplace, in the midst of the flames, a golden scarab appears. Laura takes it from the fire just in time as Jameson enters. Jameson kind of rudely dismisses Dirk. And uh, Laura's like, well, how come you're talking to Dirk that way? How come you're talking to the servants that way? He's like, oh, Quentin said that's so why I should talk to them. She's like, hey, Quentin's not a nice person. Quentin's doing, trying to hurt me, just so you know. And like Jameson at first doesn't believe it, but then she she uh, is able to convince him. Um, so 
we go back to the old house where Charity just basically offers herself to Barnabas. It's pretty sexy. And uh, he, Fangs Ahoy, bites her neck. Oh. Back at the old house. So bitter. <laughs> uh, Jameson runs into Quentin in the foyer of Collinwood. Jameson immediately takes the opportunity to tell Quentin that he never wants to see him again. His mother told him that he's a bad person. Quentin's like, what do you mean? What do you mean? I'm not a bad person. But he's kind of a bad person. Uh, Quentin attempts to paint Laura's accusations as the ravings of a person who's ill. You know, your mother's sick. Of course she's going to say things like that. She doesn't know what she's talking about. But then Laura interrupts this uh, conversation. And then she and Quentin excuse themselves into into, uh, into the drawing room. And there, their conversation becomes quite heated. So heated, in fact, that Dirk intervenes. Much to Quentin's disgust that you would be cavorting with someone so low as Dirk Wilkins. Ugh. Barnabas. Such a good name. (laughs) Dirk Wilkins. Then Barnabas brings Charity to Collinwood to spend the night because uh, it's very late and she's not gone home and she's very tired. And there they're introduced to Laura. Ah. Barnabas is dumbfounded. His jaw drops a mile. He takes a moment to regard her. Oh, sorry. Wait a second. Sure. He takes a moment to regain his composure. Oh, all right. Before saying something gallant, like, oh, I'm sorry it took so long, but you, I didn't expect you to be so beautiful. You know, those uh, sort of things. Yeah. After she leaves, Charity looks at the shaken Barnabas and asks what's wrong. And Barnabas says, I saw her there. I heard her voice and I touched her hand. But that woman died 100 years ago. Dun, dun, dun. She was just 17. You know what I mean. <laughs> so there you go, everyone. That is another episode of Dark, Dark Shadows, Shadows, which you can, of course, find on Tubi. What episode are we on, Dave? I believe that's 736, maybe? Somewhere around there, anyway. Well, let me spin this around and say, like, now that we're talking about numbers... Yeah, uh, we're coming up to number five hundred and fifty of the uh, Sneaky Dragon podcast, and as I'm, I'm, I'm not telling tales out of school here, um, but uh, you know, every time we have the number fifty in our, uh, you know, title, uh, we uh, decide to ask you to ask us questions, and then we answer any questions. We are obligated; we are morally obligated to answer any questions that the government will allow us. We have to run, <laughs> run them by the government, of course. Okay. They yeah. will then snip out the yes. questions that they if will not allow. To the Lord Mayor. That's right. Yeah. And then they're and the sure. Chancellor. <laughs> uh, and uh, they will uh, tell us what we can say and what we can't. Uh, but yeah, you can ask us anything. And the way you do that is you uh, send them to sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. Uh, there's other ways, but that's the best way, sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. And that's also where you send uh, your responses to questions of the week. Oh, by the way, sorry, I didn't tell you. There's prizes for you if you uh, win. Yes. Uh, if you win prizes, then prizes are won. <laughs> Does that make sense? These episodes go long, and sometimes I don't make sense at the end of them. Uh, anyway, what we're going to do is we're going to just draw uh, uh, your names randomly out of uh, a pair of pants that we keep around for just such a, an occasion. And, or per- perhaps a hat. Perhaps some other uh, piece of clothing, and then uh, the the random winner of, uh, of 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 that will win uh, sneaky dragon merchandise, uh, including a shirt and many other things. Uh, and uh, there you go. And everyone that enters gets a sticker. Uh, speaking of that, yes, I, Dave. I have, it's my fault for not um, making this clear so, at the beginning uh, as, of this whole as process. We always say, uh, "I blame Dave." I blame Dave. I do. I blame myself for this. Um, if, when you send in your questions, folks, 
to the email, sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. Don't forget to include your address. Oh, yes. So that I can send you a sticker, especially uh, new listeners. Some some of our other listeners, I may have your address. We have but, you on um, file. I have you on file. We know where you are at all times. It's a, it's a private list. I don't, I don't publish it. I do not sell it to any kind of... Uh, Internet, no, you know, internet email farm. I that's, I leave that to Ian. Yeah. If you've had any <laughs> spam in the last year or so, that's yeah. what that is. Yeah. The ones where uh, it's telling you that he saw you doing something naughty in your room while, watch, while being on the computer. Yep. And you got to send him Bitcoin in a really complicated way. It's Ian. Yeah. Or you were uh, summoned to court. Yeah. And you didn't go to court. And because you didn't go to court, uh, now uh, you're going to be arrested. Yeah. Uh, that is also me. Oh, Dave. <laughs> That's Dave's me. throwing that things all me. over that the floor. That was me again. We had such a nice, clean uh, thing here. Yeah, it was clean um, until I came. So, so here's the thing. Uh, last week on the show, we asked you uh, questions like, uh, if you're, you're a teenager, pretend you're a teenager, Yeah. Uh, what do you spend your fun money on? And also, if you visited France, where would you prefer to go? The art galleries, the restaurants, the beaches, or the beaches with the scenery? What would you prefer? So those are questions we asked. But you, you responded, and you can respond... You know, you, with the other things, too, that we had talked about in the show. That's your call. Yep. We got some letters, and here are the letters we got. First letter we got was from our friend Louise, who I saw in person this week. She's on the hunt uh, for... Hunt for a, Red October? Uh, no, she's on a hunt for a certain confectionery thing, uh, oh. which may be a surprise for someone, so I'm not going to say it out loud. Okay, okay. Um, But uh, we tried to point her in the right direction and also gave her... Uh, was it Lick'em Stick? It was not Lickem Stick, okay. and it was not Lickem Aid, which is the exact same thing. Mm-hmm, it is. Really. Uh, but uh, we gave her a box of the Sporkful uh, uh, pasta. Oh, yeah. I also gave you a box of said pasta. And I thank you, for th- thank you very much. I had that the other night. And? It was pretty good, actually. I thought it would be, like, maybe too thick, like too much this pasta. This is a pasta they invented that apparently has the best uh, ratio of toothiness. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, ca- and catches the sauce. Yeah. Uh, its, it's they... name is waterfall in uh, Italian. Right. And because the shape of the, of the pasta. But yeah, I had a fettuccine, Alf- uh, I was going to say a fettuccine Alfredo. I just had a, a noodle. I had a noodle Alfredo with, uh, with that. And it was, it was, it was good. It was a good, it was a good, uh, I liked it. All right, so we got a good. We're going to see what what Louise thinks on mm-hmm. that in the future. But currently, it takes a while. Though. You got to cook it for a long time, though. Yeah, like at least sixteen minutes. It's like, like yeah, thirteen to fifteen minutes of cooking. And then and then they say like that's when it's al dente, but really you got to take it out, give it a little chew, and yeah, go, mm, maybe a little longer. Yeah, I think that is short for Axel dente cooked it undercooked the food. Uh, yeah. Diamond de hardiness. <laughs> uh, Louise writes and says, yeah. "Teenage me spent her fun money on movies and plays." France visiting me prefers seeing art galleries. We have plenty of restaurants, beaches, and scenery here at home. This is very true in Vancouver. Uh, I'd uh, totally... Oh, we talked about uh, get, doing a Sneaky Dragon calendar and asked what would you prefer. Uh, one about like uh, movies or television shows or music or what have you. Mm-hmm. And this is what Louise says. Uh, I'd, I'd Rather than just one theme, I'd prefer a sampler of all the uh, yeah. topics and title I cards. A, I think that's a good idea. Uh, such as movies, TV, comics, books, uh, and product packaging like the Craft Dinner Box one. <laughs> As a marketing ploy, you could pick ones that also plug your spin-off podcast. Oh, very, very smart. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. You know, that's probably what we'll end up doing. Uh, thank you for that suggestion. And she continues uh, saying, Also, I just finished watching Judd Apatow's documentary, George Carlin's American Dream, and was quite shocked... 
when they showed clips of Rick Moranis satirizing him on SCTV. Have you seen that? And if so, what did you think of a comedian hacking on another comedian like that? Uh, I enjoyed the impression when yeah, I saw it. Me too. I liked it. Uh, you know, I thought, uh, thought it was uh, biting and uh, fun and uh, funny. But not mean. And it's no, not... And re- but I know that George Carlin did not care for it. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what Rick Moranis said. Like, okay. He did it uh, once and uh, then uh, ran into George Carlin. George Carlin was like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, did not find it uh, funny. <laughs> Just do that. I like the idea of a comedian who doesn't have a sense of humor about himself. Uh, Edward Dragansky writes, Ak Chung, uh, is that how you say it? Ak Chung? Ak Chung. Ak Chung. Gentlemen, how are my friends to the far north doing tonight? Okay, how are we doing? <laughs> we're not that far north. We're not that far north. Uh, a little sleepy, uh, but I am pretty very good. Sleepy, yeah. yeah, we're very sleepy. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go maybe get some pizza or something later. That'd be good. Yeah. Uh, let's see, uh, what did I do? Oh, sorry. Uh, let's see, what, uh, did I do with all that filthy green stuff I had as a teen? I sure didn't spend it on drugs, dating, or tobacco like all the other red-blooded teens I grew up with. I spent it on comics. You already know, uh, which ones too. I spent my hard-earned simoleons on art supplies like markers or colored pencils, record albums, VHS tapes. Are we the same people? Uh, and did I mention comics? I did pretty well with making money on the side drawing stuff for people, so I had a steady flow. Aside from the money I was making by working, whatever was left I spent on gas, which was uh, a whole lot cheaper then. Yeah. Uh, Oh, sorry. I dream of uh, visiting Europe someday, France especially. It's a no-brainer. I'd rush to the art galleries first to see the magnificent art with my own eyes instead of seeing it in books uh, my whole life. Did I mention my son has just graduated college and is well on his way to being an art teacher? Oh, well, congratulations. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's he great. plans on a master's in art history someday. So I'd really like him by my side as I visited these museums and galleries in France. That would be the greatest experience I can think of. Uh, food would be a close uh, second since I never experienced French cuisine at that level. I imagine riding a bicycle through the streets of Paris with baguettes in the basket while listening to the Ratatouille film score. Very nice. Uh, there was one time I was in Paris and I just walked down whistling uh, Alouette just to, you know, just was like, I want to be as stereotypical as possible. But isn't Alouette a Quebec, Quebec croissant? Oh, goddamn. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm learning it all from Duolingo. Uh, you two had me yelling at the podcast twice during the last show. Oh, I love it. I immediately said, <laughs> Wild Cherry Pepsi Lip Balm at the beginning of the show. I knew because we had Dr. Pepper Lip Balm made by the same company. Uh, that made all the other soda-based flavors. Huh. We had Dr. Pepper. Well, then every- you had a, you were cheating. Oh, well, bold statement. <laughs> uh, we had Dr. Pepper everything in the licensing department. Uh, one time I almost made $100. All I had to do was eat an entire bag of Dr. Pepper jelly beans in an hour. Uh- it was impossible. You can't chew them fast enough, and my jaws wore out trying it. How big is this bag? I'm curious. Um, I don't know. I want to see the size of the bag on this. Yeah, yeah. I think I could probably pull it off. You know, you think that, though. It's kind of like those cracker things and stuff like that, yeah. where you try to eat like, a whole thing of... Something. Is this a Jelly Belly? Are we talking Jelly Belly uh, Dr. Pepper beans? Because I think they are. And if so, I can go through a lot of Jelly Bellies. Um, uh, so much for my Cool Hand Luke moment. Where was George Kennedy when I needed him? Uh, the other time during the podcast I was answering back at you two was when Dave mentioned the style of apparel uh, printing uh, that they use now called dye sublimation printing. There you go. The images are digitally dyed into the material, making them last longer than the old ways of heat to surface transfer. Mm. This was a game changer 
when it was introduced and made for a better-looking, long-lasting apparel printing. It's great. Uh, you guys mentioned the spaghetti warehouse restaurants. No, sp- the old spaghetti factory. Yeah, old spaghetti. I do fact. like the idea of the spaghetti warehouse. Yeah, though. yeah. It's you'll a step down. You, you'll love the it's way a, the sauce looks. It's a step down from the uh, the yeah. factory. Yeah, that sounds a pretty. It's where like we a, store the spaghetti. That sounds like a pretty good uh, knockoff restaurant. The, old, <laughs> the spaghetti, the new spaghetti warehouse. Um, we have two of them in the Dallas area. I bet you don't take a picture of them. Take a picture of the spaghetti warehouse. Let's see it. <laughs> Let's see that thing. Not only do I make the spaghetti, I own the restaurant. You know what? If you take a picture of the spaghetti warehouse... No, yeah. I was going to go... I'd send you some Dr. Pepper jelly beans, but I know you don't like Dr. Pepper anymore, so I'm not going to do that. Um, I think they're uh, still in business uh, to this day. It was a great place to congregate uh, with large groups of friends back in the day and eat on one of those trolleys or the table that looked like a huge bed. Oh, I don't know that one. No, I don't know. Maybe you know what I think happened there? Yeah. I think I think maybe you went in the alley and there was just a bed there. <laughs> I think that might have been a mistake on your part. That it, wasn't part of the restaurant. It wasn't part of the restaurant. <laughs> it was just outside. That was just a filthy mattress yeah. someone left by just, a dumpster. It was just a billboard that fell over. The larger spaghetti warehouse. This is bugging me now. Downtown even had a room that showed cartoons you could watch when you eat. Ate. It was a great place to go as a kid. Uh, there's a uh, a diner called the Sunshine Diner here in Vancouver that shows really good old cartoons. That uh, if it was just a little bit closer, I would go to on a regular basis. I enjoyed uh, the shit out of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And now Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm going to say um, I watched uh, the latest Strange New Worlds, which has a body swap uh, thing in it that's pretty great. Uh, at one point, though, Spock mentions uh, that he had a pet and I got a little weepy. Uh, because uh, my wife and I were watching uh, the Star Trek animated series back when... Um, uh, my my cat was getting a little older, and it was like we're going to have to put them down fairly soon. And uh, and it was an episode where Spock had to put his pet to sleep, and uh, it was really touching. And it was like we got really weepy. And then in this show, they mentioned Spock's pet, and it was like whoa. And I was like, boy, they're doing a deep uh, deep cut there to yeah, the animated series. Interesting. Uh, I watched I watched the first episode of it. Yeah. Okay. It gets good. Okay. It gets good. Uh, I was wondering if people would say that. What's that? I was wondering if people would say that. Like, yeah. Give it, and give more like my favorite, my favorite character only shows up at the very end, 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 which is Bruce Horak as this uh, character who's uh, blind, who's like really good. Okay. Uh, and now Obi-Wan Well, I'll Kenobi. watch one more episode and then I'll decide. All right. Well, you know, I, I, I have stock in it, so. <laughs> watch the latest one. Watch the, I think, the fourth one. I think it's called. Well, shouldn't, shouldn't I be following the story? Yeah, or no, no, who gives a shit? Sp- <laughs> watch Spock Amok. It's good. Spock Amok. Well, that sounds good. Yeah. Uh, I never uh, thought I'd see a day where I could watch both a Star Wars and Star Trek series weekly. No shit. I'm watch. I was watching it, and again, I'm not going to say what goes on. But uh, I turned to to my wife and just went, "There's a Darth Vader TV show. This is Darth Vader. It's a TV series. This is amazing, and they're doing all this. It's this is it. It's great." Um, <laughs> also, I realized uh, I called Lee Majors the Bionic Man instead of the Six Million Dollar Man. Uh, last time I wrote, well, it's no spaghetti warehouse. Um, but I was attempting to avoid inflation. I didn't want to attach a specific worth to anyone. There you go. Good. Ian, happy swimming. It's wonderful exercise. And to Dave, may you get all your stuff back into your house very soon. Hopefully. I was just uh, at, on my way here, I stopped in at a, a flooring place to uh, discuss what the flooring we we're going to put into our, our house. And then, because uh, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to, not have carpet 
in the main part of okay. the downstairs. I wanted to have like a vinyl plank flooring, which can get wet. So I, I can have it in the laundry room and in the entryway, and then go in go into our library okay. from there. And then and then our office slash guest bedroom will have carpeting in it. I think nice. It's, it's not nice to get up in the morning and step on the cold. No, cold hardwood, especially since it's in the basement. So yeah, so it's actually not like she calculated out like you know what it would extra would cost you know compared to putting the carpet in, mm-hmm. to putting in the the vinyl planking, and it was it was like two hundred dollars more, like two hundred dollars on top of what we're getting from the insurance oh, company okay. more because, and so I'm like, well, that's totally reasonable. I'm in. So Lisa and I will have to discuss what we want it to look like, etc. But uh, yeah. Cool. It's a step forward. Take a picture of it when it's uh, done. Sure. It'll help us rob your place later. Um, <laughs> so Mick, take a picture and put the address. Mick Elliott writes. Mick Elliott. Hi, gents. Uh, been a while since I've had time to write. Kind of say I was thinking about Mick the other day. What were you thinking about him? Because Mick drew us in a, in a book. Yeah, and we're going to sue him eventually for that. <laughs> eventually. And had us drink snake pee as part of our character development. Sure. Yeah. And I think that was pretty accurate. Pretty much on point as far as our characters go. I will agree with that. Uh, Nina Matsumoto once drew us at a convention, uh, and Homer Simpson uh, basically calls us losers and just runs <laughs> by us. Yep. Yeah. It's, you know, like if the if the shoe fits. Yeah. You uh, must have quit. Uh, been a while since I had time to write. Hope all is well. Glad to hear that Ian is getting some pre-summer pool access. <laughs> uh, I love swimming, and I'm lucky to have several uh, local pools to choose from. Like Ian, I much prefer when I have the pool to myself. Oh, he's basically had that this week. It was pretty uh, pretty great. Uh, or at least a lane to myself. I can't handle the underwater tension of knowing that some human torpedo, no kidding, is barreling up behind me, your damn rights, or worse, trying to overtake me, couldn't be brighter, uh, when someone <laughs> is uh, swimming in the opposite direction. Uh, all that said, it's too cold for pools here in Australia just now, as we uh, clicked over into winter and the temperatures are dropping to an icy 30 degrees Celsius. <laughs> so It's all relative, isn't it? Icy. It's so relative. Yeah. Like, if you're used to, like, 45 degrees... If it drops down to 30, that's cold. Mm. You know, like if I went there, I would literally melt. I would just fall over dead. Right. I'd be like a popsicle left out. And of be a, instantly eaten by insect. insects. And instantly consumed by insects, yes. And right. then a koala bear would come by and, and just get chlamydia all over me. As a teenager in the 80s and 90s, all my cash went to CDs, movie memorabilia, and books, most of which are now packed up in boxes under my house. Ironically, if I'd uh, saved my money back then, I probably could have bought a house about two decades earlier. But where's the fun in that? <laughs> exactly. As for France, go for all of it. All of it. That's probably good uh, advice. And a bladed comment to Dave's Queen-themed playlist mm-hmm. from a few episodes back. Yeah. I can't believe you didn't include the iconic Suzanne Vega song, yeah. The Queen and the Soldier, oh. uh, which uh, she still performs in her concerts to this day. It's beautiful. A uh, narrative song, which definitely belongs on a list of any Queen songs. Looking forward to your 550th episode. Well, Thank listen. You. Thank you. You would think Edward Dragansky is done. Edward, be... he's done. He already had to say he's wrong. Oh, who's wrong? You, we're all wrong. Oh, okay, I thought you said he's wrong. You know what's what's been wrong is that we haven't ended our uh, web letters with Edward for a while, but we're doing it right now because he's responded again. Uh, it doesn't have the word Queen in the title, but Elizabeth Reigns by Ringo Starr may have been a contender for the Queen music lineup. For that matter, maybe even Her Majesty uh, by the Beatles too. I always thought it was a nice sign-off to Abbey Road. Well, we don't know any Beatles songs. 
That's not for us. We don't care for those uh, type of songs. I think if you know us, you know that. And so you will not be hearing that in Dave's list of songs. <laughs> Sorry about that. There we are. David, do we have any uh, letters on the uh, no, well, email? I'll, I'll say that we did get some emails, but what were we getting were questions. Oh, so that is to be saved. Episode. So and we, we also got a letter uh, that said, don't read this on the air. Uh, and so let's read it. <laughs> no, we didn't. It was just a, a nice bit of advice uh, linking me uh, to a podcast that they thought I would enjoy. Yeah, that's very yeah. nice. So I will probably also listen to that. Yeah, I downloaded the podcast for sure. You downloaded it. Yeah, it was uh, Pat Oswald on the Al Franken uh, podcast. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll listen to that. Two guys going, yeah, wow, yeah, um, let me ask you this as a, as a question of the week. Okay. Uh, we mentioned things like, yeah. uh, you know, uh, cats and uh, the things. Did we talk about cats today? Yeah, we mentioned things in wow. movies that uh, make us go, I'm done. Uh, is there anything <laughs> in a movie uh, that yes. makes you go, I'm done. That's good. Walk out. No, no thanks. Good with that. Yeah, I'm not going to go, uh, not going to see this movie. <laughs> and that could be like, I, maybe this is a disturbing question. I yeah. don't know. Maybe we'll, maybe I'll regret it. Yeah. But is there something that uh, that you will uh, in a movie just like takes you right out of it? Yeah. And you're like, I can't enjoy this movie from this point on. Sure. Is it maybe like maybe there's a homophobic comment? Maybe there's something like that. Mm. You know, uh, that you just go. Uh, maybe all of a sudden you go, Oh, James Woods is in this. You know, <laughs> something like that. So let us know sure. what will take you right out of a movie. And uh, no, thank you. You say. Nice. Do you have another question? I, I have a follow-up question to that. Follow-up question from Dave. Here goes. Actually, it's not a follow-up question. It's not a follow-up question. Or maybe it is. Or is it? Spinning question mark. <laughs> Turn off television. Talk in class. <laughs> discuss what you've heard. Kick some ass. Then go walk on broken glass. Okay, go ahead. Dave's question. Um... No, my question is, uh, would you want to have The Shining? If it was real, would you want to be one of those people who had The Shining? And think about the cost of it to the people who had The Shining. But would you want it? That's my question for this week. Can I ask a clarification? Could you me? ask for a clarification? Sure. Okay. All right. So I get The Shining. Yeah. But, yeah. but my question is, sure. am I in a world mm -hmm. filled with ghosts? Yes, you are. Fuck in. it then. Okay, no, I don't want it. <laughs> I don't know that. I mean, if I'm in the if I'm in our world and I've well, got superpowers, but you don't know until you have The Shining if you can see ghosts. In, no, in but this our world doesn't have ghosts. So, but it does. But it doesn't. If you have The Shining, no, it doesn't. So, <laughs> if I have The Shining in our world, why doesn't it have the ghosts? Because there's no ghosts. So, mm. I in our world yeah. would just have superpowers, and that's fine. But I don't want like to see like there's a, a naked lady in the bathtub. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to see her. Okay. Because uh, that's no thanks. I don't because wanna... the ghosts that you see though are not seeing they're not really ghosts. They're they're the past memories of places. That's what you're seeing with the shining because remember you can see the past and the future. You th are you saying that in uh the Overlook Hotel those yeah. aren't ghosts? No. They're mem they're memories of the ho in the hotel. The hotel mem mem has those memories. Well, I guess you've blown my mind. <laughs> All right. So listen, if you want to respond to our questions, as I said, sneakyd at sneakydragon.com or go to our Facebook page, which is of course Sneaky Dragon, or go to our Twitter, sneaky underscore dragon, or go to Tumblr, uh, sneaky dragon at uh, sneakydragon.tumblr.com. Oh, there you go. Uh, if you feel like, uh, 
you know, uh, sponsoring us a little bit and what we do, uh, you know, listen, there's no obligation. But if you feel like it, we got a Patreon uh, account, which you go to patreon.com uh, and enter Sneaky Dragon. Boom, you can do there. Uh, or uh, there's a button on our webpage, sneakydragon.com. Or another way of doing it, you know, is to uh, buy some of the stuff that we do, like the Sparks books. There's three of them out right now. There's Sparks, Sparks Double Dog Dare, and Sparks Future Perfect. All are uh, Canadian bestsellers. Uh, Two-thirds of them are award winners of various uh, awards. And uh, we're very proud of them. So, uh, Mm. you know, you can get those in any of your local bookstores, uh, evil mega corporations online, such things. Or even if you take them out of your local library... Uh, that also gets a little something to us. So, Do you know where my daughter found some? And her friend as well. Oh, it's going to be garbage. It's going to be the garbage bin, right? No, at Costco. Nice. They had them there. They, the, her friend bought two sets, one to send to her nephews and one for her classroom. Love it. And uh, Eve bought the final two in the set so she could have them for her preschool. I was thinking that we'd get a little more promotion from Chapters, uh, because we seem to fall under a lot of the categories that they Yeah, publicize. we're local, local authors. Local authors, you know, uh, and then stuff, the other, but yeah. not so much. But uh, who is pushing us kind of hard, surprisingly enough, uh, at least in Canada, is Toys R Us. So thank you to them <laughs> for nice. that, because Toys R Us apparently now has books. Got to have something. Got to have something, and video games are now more often than not just downloadable. So yes. there you are. Uh, so anyway, uh, Spark series of books that is out there. I am the writer. Nina Matsumoto is the artist. David is the colorist. And uh, people clapped for Dave uh, during our little talk. Oh, well, thanks. Like, so I like the art. Yay! I like writing. Yay! You like the coloring. Yay! <laughs> and I don't so, know what we're nice. clapping for anymore. No, it's nice. They all have fun. Uh, and that was uh, that was fun. Hopefully, uh, you can come and do one of the uh, talks sometime. Yeah, that'd be nice. You go like, hey, would you like to see uh, uh, Dave color something? Yeah. <laughs> I know a guy named Dave. Okay. <laughs> oh, Who uh, here knows someone named Dave? I know, I know I someone know. named David. These are the days I know, I know. He, uh, yeah, Bruce McCullough know, hummed a little bit of that song in the uh, new uh, new Kids in the Hall series. And I was like, huh? Nice. Such a good... Such a good. I'll tell you a bit of... I'll tell you a bit of trivia, David. I haven't been able to watch... I watched a bit of Stranger Things. I haven't been able to watch all of it. I have, I haven't seen Russian Doll. I haven't seen Kids in the Hall. Kids in the Hall, but I have been watching Love on the Spectrum. <laughs> sure, I've been watching uh, someone uh, feed Phil, and the uh, the episodes I've really liked. Uh, I like the Helsinki one because I got a Finnish family, yep. and so they were uh, liking that one. Sure, but they go to Maine as well. They go to Portland, Maine. Oh, and uh, is that it, where uh, Maine Coon cats are from? I don't know. You'd have to ask the internet. I will do that. But uh, some of uh, Phil's family is there, and some of his family are special needs, and they are connected with uh, a place that uh, does art and uh, has special needs people doing art. And it's very, very sweet. And just like, it's a very sweet thing where they just go through the house and afterwards go for ice cream. And and I was watching that just going like, you know what? It was a rough day and this was the show I needed to see. That's nice. I just need to see people do some art, have some fun, tell Mm -hmm. some jokes, and go for ice cream. Like, yeah, that. That's good TV. That's fine and good. <laughs> uh, I was going to tell you real quick a little bit of trivia. Yeah. Um, I know uh, one of the Daves, Bruce knows, uh, uh, f- uh, the very first version of these of the Daves I know, I know, yeah. uh, was uh, Dave Cameron. Oh, yeah, yeah. a stand-up comedian. I remember Dave Cameron. Yeah, yeah and he was, uh, he was one of the, the in the original song, uh, he was one of the Daves, you know, so I know a Dave. You know a couple of Daves. No, I know one of the real Daves from the song is what I'm saying. <laughs> 
It's a music. You're just a Dave. You know the song. Dave Maybe Dave. one day you'll be part of the Kids in the Hall song. I don't think I'll be. I don't think that'll happen. But it that's could, fine. It could happen. It could. You never know. I don't want to say never. Follow your dreams. Never say never again. Look, one thing James Bond I, has taught us. Yeah, I opened for uh, I opened for Bruce McCullough once. You know, I could have like said to him, "Listen, next time you do this, here's a, <laughs> I give, him, give him fifty bucks. You slap in Dave Dedrick, and uh, you know, there we go. And this, and you, you know, you can have the other half of this fifty dollar bill. Rip. Yeah. Rip it in half and give him half. Yeah. There you go. You could have done that. Yeah. But you didn't though. Thanks a lot. That's true. I don't know if he would have needed the money. Dave Foley needed the money at the time, but he doesn't sing that song. So I don't know. And also Dave Foley is a Dave. So he might have mm, found a, a conflict of interest. That's true. He would have. Because he, he's in the song too, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. He was nice. I got to meet him once. I've never met Kevin McDonald. I'd like to meet Kevin McDonald. Seems dreamy. Anyway, um, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week. And then... Uh, uh, the week after. Wait a second. So next week is uh, the f- f- uh, 549, and then 550. Yeah. Oh, you sons of bitches! Get your questions in. Get those questions in. Uh, I've been Ian. I've been David. And uh, catch you on the flip side, dude meisters. <laughs> Not pizza. <laughs>